So, uh, I know I'm a day late on this. I'll kind of talk about that here in a couple of minutes, but actually, I mean, I, I could, I could address it like right now, but yeah, I'm coming off of a week long vacation. I went to Vegas, uh, lost some money, experienced the sights and sounds of really an awesome underrated city. It's not just like about gambling and strip clubs and stuff like that, even though I'm not going to lie. A lot of strip clubs, a lot of gambling in there, but I'll kind of get into like why this podcast is a day late. We'll also talk about, hold on, first and foremost, hold on, hold on, I mean, come on, come on, play my music. Hold on, wait, 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 that was way too long. I don't know why it took so long for it to get going. That was so weird. It was like the, the, the audio was muted. I'm like, don't mute my audio. Computer, computer, don't mute my audio ever again. Play it again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. I'm back. The best is back. It's not even freaking close. I saw a lot of podcasts. I was supremely disappointed with a lot of podcasts that I saw, except for Chris Sims. Great podcast. We're going to be getting into the absolute posse music. Posse music! We'll be getting into the absolute debacle. The, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going on with basketball, but like literally all of my predictions just flew in the air as soon, as soon as I left. As soon as I left, everything just flew into disaster, went into disaster. I was shocked and surprised at how disastrous my predictions had gone. I was up late last night preparing for the podcast. I was actually going to record a podcast last night until disaster for me happened. But disaster has occurred in NBA. It's become very, like, there's some polarity in it. I Like, the Nets may lose, to be honest with you. We'll see what happens. But it's like the 76ers. I mean, I, like, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm pause my music. We'll talk about football. I'm going to go back. I'm going to look at some things that I talked about early on in the year and really going all the way back to October. A lot of great stuff coming up, ladies and gentlemen, right here. One Evore's Podcast. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff by Beyonce. What a surprise. You're like, 24, what is that? What What are we listening to? It's the homecoming intro from Beyonce's homecoming. I mean, I was about to say soundtrack, but it's her performance at Coachella. It was, you know, it was named Homecoming. It's a Netflix special. I just got the, uh, yes, th this is a vinyl. Yes, this is the plug-in that it was released on vinyl, like, late last year. I don't know why it wasn't released, like, earlier on. Um, I mean, because because technically, right, Homecoming, the performance came out 2019, and then it uh, and then the vinyl came out in, like, 2020. And it, the, the performance was actually in 2018. So, I mean, it's been, it's been a while. I mean, let's just be honest about that. So I was listening a little bit to Homecoming 
like when I got back, I got back, like, let me, let me give you a timeline of when disaster struck for me, and then we'll get into basketball and sports and all that good stuff. Be patient, be patient. Anyways, um, Wednesday night, actually Wednesday, right? My flights got delayed. Like, 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 like that's just, that's just disaster number one. All of my flights got delayed. I was supposed to leave out. I had, um, I had, I'd flown from like Florida to Texas, from Texas to Vegas. And all of my flights, when it came back to going back to Florida, got delayed. Because apparently, if you haven't been reading the news, apparently all of the computer systems, when it comes to all of these airlines, have been shut down for like a day or two. So to catch back up, they had for all the people that got screwed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, including myself, they delayed a lot of flights. They gave all of the uh, the people that you know missed their flight or had their flights be delayed. They gave them essentially like earlier planes and earlier flights and stuff like that and things of that nature. And my flights just kept on getting freaking pushed back, right? So I got home at like midnight, and as I was checking on some things on some emails, making sure some things were happening, some things were popping. Right, I get this um, this alert saying, "Hey, homecomings on its way, freaking home." And I freaking was like, "Okay, I, I kind of want to refresh my memory. I kind of want to listen to it again." So I freaking listened to Homecoming, uh, the Netflix performance, and I was like, "Oh, this is freaking awesome!" And then last night, I spent like two hours listening to it on vinyl, and it's 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 like one of the best records. It, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. To be honest with you, it's it's such a good record, such a good record. However, as I was listening to Homecoming, I was making, I was tying up some loose ends when it came to the podcast, right? Tying up a lot of loose ends. I prepare a lot. Preparation is key, ladies and gentlemen. Preparing for the show, listening to Homecoming, and then I was watching a little bit of basketball as well. It gets kind of late on into the night. I saw the Nets versus the Bucks. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I'm so entrenched with Nets versus Bucks. I'm, I'm watching it. I'm preparing. I'm taking out the trash because today is trash day, and I like to take out the trash the day before. Preparing, boom. I'm prepared. Planning is done. Preparation is done. Homecoming. I listen to it from start to finish. That's done. The game's over with. Boom. I'm ready to go. Right? So, get on my computer. Open up OBS like I always do. And for the first time in five years, a hard, hard, hard pause. Get your mind out of the gutter. A hard crash had occurred, right? It's a Macintosh. It's a five-year-old computer. I got it in like 2016, 2017. Four-year-old computer, my bad. But it's a 2016 model. Hard crash on my computer. Boom. Doesn't work. Won't start up. It's giving me alerts saying, um, contact Apple support startup, right? And I'm like, what is that? They're like, just look it up on your phone. So I'm like, I'll look it up on my phone. My entire disc need to needed to be repaired. My entire disc needed to be repaired. That's what essentially Apple support was telling me to do. And I was like, I am not going to do that because I have a lot of crap on my disc. That is not backed up because I, I change some things around. I get rid of some things. I add some things like a lot of stuff changes, ladies and gentlemen, here on 24th podcast. So I like, I'm not going to freaking back up my computer or not back it up or not back it up. I don't even know what I'm talking about. 
I'm not gonna, like, you know, get rid of all of this stuff on my computer and, like, repair my disk and delete all this stuff. Essentially, they wanted me to, like, reset my computer. I was like, I'm not gonna do that. So then I just chose, and then I saw the most obnoxious thing ever, an update. An update. My computer has been constantly getting me to update it for the last couple of days and things of that nature. And I was just like, no, I'm using it, and it'll take like an hour or 30 to 40 minutes, not an hour. It'll take like 30 to 40 minutes for you to update. So I'm not going to update you because it's going to take a long time. It it, 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 it was freaking talking to me in the airport. It was like, 24, 24, update me, update me, update me. I'm like, shut up. I'm watching the office. I'm not going to update you. Until the hard crash happened, I reset. I didn't reset it, but I like, I did, I, I did what the commands what Apple told me to do and I up but instead of repairing my disk I just updated it I just updated it right and I got the new operating system the new OS on my computer and my computer was fine but it did take a shockingly long amount of time to update my computer it took like almost two freaking hours do you want to know why because the crappy OS that Apple Put on my computer like a couple of months ago. I, I, what, what was it? What was it called again? If you're on, if you're on this OS, update your computer immediately. I mean, I get it. Like everybody says, update your computer, upgrade your like update, update, update. Everybody says that, but nobody does it because of how time-consuming it is and how much we all use our phones, our computers, and things of that nature. Just not a very good time to do it. Where is it? Here we go. I was like changing some stuff around. What was it called? I think it was called Catalina. I think that's what it was called. Catalina was the operating system that I had had on my computer for maybe six, seven months. It was janky. It was it, it was bad. It slowed down my actual computer's performance, right? This new this new OS. However, it's called, I believe, the Big Sur, or just Big Sur, which is B-I-G-S-U-R, that operating system. It, like, it made my computer's performance better. And my computer is like four years old. And it's like Catalina slowed down my computer. I had so many issues in the last couple of weeks with that OS. And then I get Big Sur, and it takes forever because of probably how much, how many glitches how many bug fixes, how much crap was in that OS. Hold on, wait. Yeah, how much crap was in that OS, right? And I get freaking Big Sur, and everything's running Krispy Kreme smoothly. And it's just like, oh, it wasn't my fault. It was the OS. I cannot believe an OS literally, I mean, maybe to, to people who are in technology, maybe it's different. But it's like, I cannot believe how big of a difference that an OS can, can make, right? And I mean, maybe maybe I should have seen this coming because there is an operating system called uh, Windows 8, which everybody hated to the point where they were like, yeah, we're going to revert back to Windows 7 because Windows 8 sucks. This happened in like the mid-2010s. But I was appalled at how freaking easy it was, or not how easy it was, but how much of a difference this new operating system was comparatively to my old operating system. And it's not that the new operating system 
or like it's not that i'm surprised that a new operating system is better than another one like than an older one i'm surprised that like my new operating system like is running circles when it comes to performance and when it comes to like the smoothness of things and how much better it is than like the old operating system so hard crash happened late 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 last night two hour update it was super late at night i was like i'll just come back tomorrow that's why i'm a day late i apologize i'm but I'm back here. I'm recording this like super, I mean, early for us because we usually don't record podcasts kind of like early on in the day. I kind of wait for the news cycle to die out and then it's like it's a super late podcast. So I'll try and be a little bit better on that. But hey, you know, it is it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of what happened last night. It was so obnoxious. But hey, I figured it out. 24 figured it out. I figured it out. So I kind of, that's when we're working ourselves back, right? We're, we're going back from the last couple of days to today, right? So, or not from the last couple of days, but from about a week ago, right? So if you haven't been tuned in to basketball, right? For the last, I would say week, there has been an absolute just overturn of basketball, right? Of NBA basketball, right? series that I thought would have been wrapped up by now are not wrapped up. They're not even close, right? Seri- I mean, they're technically getting close. Like, there's only, like, one more game left in some of these series. But games that I thought were going to be wrapped up by now are still playing. They're still competing, doing all that good stuff. Series that, you know, I didn't think would be wrapped up are wrapped up by now. It's, it's a weird dichotomy that we're kind of experiencing. And I kind of want to start with that as our introduction to the podcast or our read like introduction to the podcast, as well as continuing forward with conversations about football. Football's a big driver. Football's big. You know, it's it's big. Football's big. We'll talk about football. We'll talk about, you know, some of that other stuff later on. But I want to start off with basketball. Right. So last night we'll start off with Bucks versus Nets. So last night. Right. I'm tuned in. As I said before. Tuned in, watching Beyonce's Homecoming, right? Watching it, loving it, boom, listening to it. I'm sitting on my chair that I'm sitting on right now, watching the game, and I'm just like, man, like, this series has gone back and forth for about a week, right? When I left the podcast, and I took my break, I took it. When I left, literally the Bucks looked desolate. They looked defeated. They looked as if they were going to get swept, right? Because they were, like, it was like, tw- like I can, I can just look up the series right now. It was like 20-point victories. I mean, these were like, shut not shutouts, excuse me, blowouts. I mean, goodness gracious, dude. Let me look up the series. Bucks versus Nets. Like, these, this series has gone, I mean, absolutely just, off the walls, off the rails. Let me look it up. When was it? Here we go. Boom. Game one, 115-107, and that's without James Harden, right? So I'm like, yeah, they don't even – and this is – I remember this, like, clear as day. I was like, like, they, they shouldn't play James Harden until, like, they start losing games, right? And it turns out they started to lose games, right? 
the first game's victory wasn't even this close, 115-107. Like, by the time the fourth quarter had essentially arrived, the Nets had had already, like, uh, shut down their starters and they were playing their backup players and then the uh, the Bucks had caught up from like I think they were down by like 25 or 30 points or something like that and then <clears throat> and then uh, they somehow suddenly caught up to only being down by eight right game two it's an even bigger loss it's almost by 40 points right 86 125 ridiculous loss right loss excuse me right Nets lose or next Nets win by almost 40. I'm like, series is over with. Bucks are going to get swept, right? Then they go down to freaking Milwaukee. And then Milwaukee starts to, you know, get resuscitated a little bit, right? 86, 83 bucks, right? Let me check out the box score. I didn't really watch a whole lot of it because I was like, this series is over with. And it's like, oh, wait, it kind of was a close game, right? The, the Bucks had scored 30 points. In the first quarter, the Nets had scored 11 in the second. And then it kind of went back and forth where it's like, oh, wait, the Nets score 31 points in the second quarter. Milwaukee scores 15. And then 23-22 in favor of the Nets in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, it's 18-19. and 19. Bucks win. Game three. Close game. Nets versus Bucks. Game four. You're like, wait a second, what's going on? Bucks have a little bit of life. 96-107. Game four for the Bucks. Then they go back to Brooklyn. Three to two, 114, 108. It's all in that game. In the final yesterday, 104, 89. Back and forth dilemma. Kyrie Irving gets hurt. James Harden comes back in. James Harden isn't necessarily the same guy. But James Harden comes back in. And Kevin Durant has a absolutely masterful masterful excuse me performance for the Brooklyn Nets and then game 7 tomorrow uh, at at 8:30 i believe 8:30 believe we'll watch it talk about it 8:30 Brooklyn will go up against the Bucks game 7 Giannis Antetokounmpo has redeemed himself i was wrong I said, I don't think this is going to be a close series. I didn't think so at all. And they've tied it up. They're going to a game seven. They're going to go to distance. We'll see what happens with Kyrie. We'll see what happens with James Harden. But oh my goodness. A series that I thought should have been over by now is now going to a game seven. And I don't know who's going to win. I've been so wrong on this series already. I, I think if you ask me... Ask me right now. I think it's going to be the Nets. I'm kind of a homer for the Nets right now. I think they're going to win. I think so. But, I mean, good God. The Nets are, I mean, they're, they they go from, like, sweeping teams and being essentially the, the one seed to now, like, I mean, almost being, you know, up for elimination. Shocking, I know. And then you get on to, like, series, for example, like the 76ers. All of the Eastern Conference series are, like, ridiculous, right? Because I'm like, Hawks don't stand a chance against the 76ers. I thought it would have been 4-1, maybe 4-2 in favor of the 76ers. And then Trey Young, Trey Wayne, he said, hell no, 24. 
We're taking it all the way to the distance, at the very least, at the very most. They're ending the series tonight. 76ers are up 3-2 to two in a seven-game series. Trey Young has been absolutely immaculate. Joel Embiid has been choking a little bit, but that's, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's not his fault. He, he plays for Philadelphia, and everybody in Philadelphia chokes from the Eagles to the doggone 76ers with Allen Iverson to the doggone 76ers back in Charles Barkley's day. They, they're, they're just filled with chokers. Phillies? Who's their baseball team again? I don't know who they are. But I mean, oh my goodness. Atlanta with Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Stockton, Collins, all those guys. I mean, like, these are good wins, too. They win, I mean, they won game one. I forgot when this was. This was, I think, the Sunday before I left. One game one, 128-124. And then that following Tuesday, the day before I was supposed to leave out, right? 118-102. I'm like, cool. Series is back on track. They win, uh, the 76ers win again. 127-111. I'm like, okay, it's going the way that I thought. Then game four happens, 100 to 103, Hawks win. I'm like, what? Another one. Hawks win, 109-106. They're up three games. They're up by three games, excuse me. And then we got tonight's game at 7.30 p.m. Hawks are up by one game, and it's being played in the ATL. Holy smokes. I don't believe it. Hawks are about to potentially go to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time and God knows how long. And they've had one of the toughest routes to go to the Eastern Conference Finals with obviously the 76ers that they're facing off against tonight, which everybody was like, like I said it, I said it already. Whoever's coming out of the West or excuse me, the East is going to win the entire thing. I think I'm still right about that. I think so. But it's like, if you were to tell me, right, Hawks are coming, I, I, I still feel the same way if the Hawks come out of the, the East, to be honest with you. Hawks come out of the East against whoever, Clippers, Clippers, uh, uh, Utah, Phoenix, whoever. Like, I think Atlanta can beat them. And I think tonight they're going to they're gonna freaking put the final nail in the coffin and beat the 76ers and go to the Eastern Conference where they will have a shot as good as any at going to the NBA Finals. And let me tell you something right now. I'm going to tell you something right now about the Hawks. Sean Payton, Sean Payton, New Orleans head coach, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest offensive minds in all of football, he had a really, really great insight on champions and who's actually competing for a championship. And this was essentially attributed to football, and I'll kind of change it up so that way it can kind of cross sports and cross cross the sport of football into the sport of basketball. But, like, essentially what he said was every single year we got about six teams that are competing for, you know, an NBA, not an NBA, but a, but a Super Bowl, right? Got six teams, right? Everybody else is kind of just participating in the league, right? Some people may not like that. Some people may not agree with that but 
in my experience, it is very, very true. There's very, very few teams that are like legitimately competitively viable. And out of those legitimate teams, like like some of them may not even make it to the to the finals, to to the championship finals, or not the championship finals, excuse me, but to the conference finals in the NFL. Like some of them may get booted out in the divisional round. Like, for example, the uh, the Baltimore Ravens this year, I thought they were a championship caliber team. Um, I thought Seattle was up until the time. I mean, they got booted out in the wild card uh, seed. And um, who else got booted out? Oh, yeah, the Saints, I thought, were competitively viable, ironically enough, as well. But the point is, there's certain teams that that I think, or not that I think, but that are essentially viable to compete, or excuse me, that are competitively viable um, to compete for an NFL championship. And I think that for a Super Bowl, excuse me, and I think that's somewhat similar to the NBA. I think there are a certain amount of teams that are competitively viable for a, uh, for a championship in the NBA, and I don't necessarily think that it's something as like close as six teams. It may be like, it, it, it just depends. Like I think the uh, the seventy. If you ask me at the beginning of the year, the Lakers, the 76ers, the Clippers, the um, the Brooklyn Nets, you know those types of teams and things of that nature, right? <clears throat> but as the season goes on, you know things change. You know times change, teams change, injuries happen, schedules. You know like the the reality of the season happens. Things of that nature. And you kind of learn some things about certain teams and things of that nature. But this is like a very, very long-winded way of saying, like, I think Atlanta is one of those, you know, metaphorically speaking, six teams that can compete for a championship. I think so. I think they got all the right stuff to compete for a championship. And I think that they, I mean, I don't think, necessarily that they're going to go to the finals but I think if they do go to the finals I think they have a very very strong chance of winning that's all I'm going to say on that now the 76ers if you told me oh man it's going to be an interesting series if the 76ers win this series and go up against the Nets but the 76ers to me they just I don't think even if, even if, for example, the 76ers go to the NBA Finals, I don't think they'll, I, like, against the Bucks, because that's a real possibility, or against the Nets, I think they're going to get destroyed. I think it's going to be a four-to-two game series. I know I've been wrong. I know I've been wrong. Four-to-two game series. I don't think it's going to be close. Four-to-one, maybe. I mean, the reason why the Hawks haven't, like, freaking destroyed the 76ers is they don't have the same firepower as like a Nets do or even the Bucks do. Like I just like the 76ers, God man, they're just they're just in a really, really bad spot, dude. And I don't understand, like, maybe not understand is the best way to describe it, but I don't know how they're going to be able to break out of the situation that they're in. Ben Simmons can't hit a shot to save his dog on life. Joel Embiid gets fatigued and doesn't quit. Like, everybody's talking about, he quit, he quit. I mean, he just gets fatigued because he has to do everything by himself. And he's also out of shape, and he's also hurt all the time. That's obvious. He, it's very obvious that Joel Embiid is out of shape. For everybody that says that he's in shape or he's in play, he has been hurt. He can't condition. Shannon Sharp was talking about it today. He cannot condition. He's hurt. And it's just like, he gets gassed 
all the time. You look at his second half stats. Like he has very, very little shots that he completes in the second quarter and in the fourth quarter. He gets gassed all the time. It's obvious. And it's like, all right, 76ers, they can probably operate out of Joel Embiid, but they need, like, two more players to really, like, compete with the Nets. Because if this was a regular season year, and uh, not a regular season, but a regular year where everybody was healthy, or not healthy, but everybody had had the time to rest and get healthy and things of that nature, like, I mean, I, like, I would say, like, like, Nets would have handled the Bucks by now. 76ers would have been iced out by now, my opinion. But I just, good God, man, the future of the Hawks is bright and shining like a, like a, shine bright like a diamond. And the future of the 76ers is as bleak as a black hole. Jesus Christ, literally light can't escape a black hole, dude. And that's what the, uh, the 76ers are. Just a black hole of absolute pain, misery, misery, excuse me. And suffering makes me sad for uh, for 76ers fans because they've been talking about trusting the process for 10 freaking years and their team is about to lose again. I mean, not even, I was about to say to like LeBron or something like that or to the Bucks or whomever, but I mean, good God, dude. This is, this is terrible for the, for, the, uh, for the 76ers. Moving on, let's talk about the team that Skip Bayless had absolutely abandoned after they went down 2-0 to the Jazz, right? The Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers. They go down 2-0. I'm thinking series is over with. They're about to get swept. They barely beat the uh, the Mavs. What was the series? It was 4-3. Barely beat the Mavs. I'm like, cool. Clippers are now done. They're down by 2-0. Going back to Los Angeles, I think Utah could steal uh, one game. They did not. They lost two straight, and then the Clippers stole one on the road. I mean, it's essentially the exact same situation with the Hawks and the um, and the 76ers. They both, uh, the the, uh, the Jazz, they take two games. Clippers t- took two games. But then on the road in game five, they stole one against the Jazz, 119-111. Sweet baby Jesus. Somebody needs to tell the Jazz to wake up, and then Donovan Mitchell may not play. And then Mike Conley may not play because they're both, once again, Injured. Like, holy smokes. Jazz are like, I I believe, the one seed or the two seed. Or Denver was, I don't remember. Again, seeding doesn't matter. But it's like, wait a second. The Jazz could be potentially eliminated from the playoffs when they should have easily have won this series against the Clippers. Everybody was down on the Clippers. I was down on the Clippers. Clippers may be an NBA Finals contender. I mean, they're, they're like, again, game's at 10. I'm not watching it on the podcast because I'm recording this podcast. Game's on at 10. Clippers may be done with the Jazz by like 11.30. That may happen. I mean, some of these losses by the Jazz, it's like 136 to 106 game three. 118, 104. It's like, what is going on? Losing by almost like 20 points. You lost by 30. Or almost by 30. You lost by 26. Game three. And then in the losses, some of the losses have been pretty competitive. Like 
Like the uh, the second loss was 117-116. First loss for the Clippers, obviously, 109-112. Pretty competitive. Like, wait a second, this doesn't necessarily seem that bad for the Clippers. Seems like a lot more of a close. I think the Clippers wrap it up. I think I think 76ers, Clippers, I think 76ers, Jazz, pack your bags, you're going fishing. Like I did. I went fishing in Bay City, Texas. It's like a southeast city, Texas. Went saltwater fishing, stood on a beach, stood in the, the, uh, the wade, stood in the water. I don't know, the surf, I think that's what it's called. Stood in there with some boots. I was going fishing. I mean, hey, Jazz, 76ers, join me. I went fishing last week. Went to Vegas, went to Texas, went all over the doggone place. Traveled a lot. Too tired to talk about it. But sweet baby Jesus. Clippers, Jazz. That series I thought was going to be long gone. Still going on. 76ers versus Hawks. Same situation. I think, uh, no, 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 not I think. We also had, I believe, the uh, the wrap-up of the Phoenix Suns. I talked about all three teams that are still playing in the playoffs. We had the wrap-up, right? Phoenix swept the, uh, the Denver Nuggets. What a surprise. Another MVP that the league picks gets absolutely destroyed in the playoff. As we once again have Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. I mean, that series was not even freaking close. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Let me look up some of the scores. Arizona. What is it? Arizona Suns. I mean, it's the Phoenix Suns, but they don't go by Arizona. Yeah. I mean, some of the games were close, but I mean, game one wasn't 122-105. Game two certainly wasn't 123-98. Game three kind of wasn't 116-102. Game four, I mean, hell, closest game, but they were down by seven by the end of the game, 125-118. Phoenix may go to the uh, to the NBA Finals and do something that uh, Charles Barkley never did, and that was win a doggone championship. Mm, mm, mm. A lot of teams, man. A lot of teams subverting expectation, handling their doggone business, and actually winning. I was surprised. I was like, oh, they're kind of winning. Denver's kind of winning. Not Denver, but, you know, Phoenix is winning. Teams that, like, Literally a year ago, this is the shocking thing. Like, literally a year ago, if you would have asked me about, like, the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz and, like, all of these basketball teams and even Atlanta, like, you would have asked me, like, 24, what do you think of the, these teams? I would have been like, oh, yeah, they're not they're not going to win anything. They're, gonna, they're probably going to miss out on the playoffs and things of that nature. And then league gets flipped. Phoenix could potentially win their first championship ever. 76ers potentially getting booted out of the playoffs by Atlanta. That sounds weird still. And then the Lakers are eliminated, which that was a shock to me, even with the injuries. Then the Mavs got eliminated by the Clippers. I was like, that's weird. Goodness gracious. All these football teams that should be winning are losing, and all these teams that should be losing are winning. 
It's very weird. It's very oxymoronic. It's very confusing. But it is very, very interesting. Again, if you can't if you can't get into this playoff basketball, I I can't help you. I, I, I literally I I can't help you. Anyways, moving on from basketball. Let's transition into football now, right? Spent about 30 minutes on basketball. I kind of want to talk about football here. And again, this podcast may be about, like, like I, I, have, I have a lot of material planned. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Got a lot of material planned. Don't worry about it. However, um, I do want to talk about football here for a couple of minutes, and I kind of do want to wrap up some of the news before we get into some of the things that I wanted to talk about. I want to wrap up the news, and then we'll get into the other stuff, right? Some th- some stuff that I was talking about or I was looking over at in my journal like uh, on Tuesday, which was like three days ago. Some things that I had kind of like, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting how that works out. But we'll, we'll kind of get into it and stuff like that. But <clears throat> today, or not today, but like for the last couple of days, there's been a lot of talk about Stephon Gilmore, right? Because he's holding out. Stephon Gilmore, number one, you know, corner for the Patriots, defensive player of the year, one of the best players just in the league, right? Everybody thinks this guy's fallen off. He has not fallen off. He just had a semi-bad year, right? So everybody's, like, trying to jump on him, saying, well, his value has been devalued. Like, I I love how, like, people talk about, uh, talk out of both sides of their mouth when it comes to, like, you know, football players. They're like, well, he's a terrible player, terrible player. He's fallen off, things of that nature, but he's still good enough to the point where we still want him. But for some weird reason, the Patriots don't want him. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. So we'll have a bunch of trade targets with Stephon Gilmore and things of that nature. And it's like, you do, like, everybody out there that's talking about Stephon Gilmore and whether or not their team wants him, like, everybody realizes this. You do realize that Bill Belichick would never give you a discount or a deal unless it came with something, with something, something bad attached to it, right? Like, you're not going to go to a car dealership and buy a Bugatti for a dollar fifty unless there's something wrong with it or it's just not the way that it appears. Like maybe they'll offer you like a like a bo- like a toy Bugatti for like five dollars or a dollar, right? You know things don't always seem as they appear, or are as they appear. Excuse me, I think that's the proper term. So in the case of the New England Patriots and Stephon Gil- uh, Gilmore, right? Bill Belichick is known for giving up a player a year or two before they exit their prime, right? He's done it with everybody besides Tom Brady because Tom Brady is a unicorn, and even then it's like, oh, wait, he's still kind of in his prime. Maybe not in his prime, but a little bit out of it. And so you get to the point with the Patriots where you're like, okay, like how how much can we – oh, my God, excuse me. Can we actually get out of Stephon Gilmore, right? How much? Can we get a little bit? Can we get a lot? Is there something is there something to Stephon Gilmore? Or is it just, are the Patriots undervaluing him like Tom Brady? Or 
Like, what's going on with Stephon Gilmore? And the reality of the situation is, I think if everybody who's talking about Stephon Gilmore and trading for him and things of that nature, like, for everybody that's, a, like, pump the brakes. Because I think, like, I think Stephon Gilmore, I think the Patriots, they see that he is at the end of his tunnel. At the end of the tunnel when it comes to his ability to play this sport at the highest of levels, right? Which is why they're not offering him a contract extension. Like, I mean, come on. Like every like when they freaking when they freaking like got Stephon Dil Gilmore excuse me from the uh, from who do they get them from the the Buffalo Bills by the way shout out to the Buffalo Bills giving up literally the best cornerback in the league but when they traded uh, to a divisional rival by the way like Buffalo what are you doing but when they gave up Stephon Gilmore right I think he got a two it was like a three maybe a four year contract Emily. They got him after the 2017 loss, and it was 2018, 19, 20, and 21. So it looks like it was a four-year deal, my bad, for Stephon Gilmore, and it's coming to an end. So Stephon Gilmore is like, cool, like I, like, like I want a new contract extension. I want another one, another one. Bill Belichick's not like, no, we don't, we don't really give second contracts to players. So this is when, you know, all these rumors about Stephon Gilmore potentially, you know, um, leaving the Patriots happen where, when he's disgruntled, he's holding out a training camp, things of that nature. Best defensive player in the league. One of the best defensive players in the league. And now you have a lot of teams. Like I, I was reading an article today about how the Vikings should, should target Stephon Gilmore. And I was like, why? Why should the Vikings target Stephon Gilmore? Because if you target Stephon Gilmore, right? Stephon Gilmore, it's it's the mirage. It's like it's like looking at a mirage, right? Stephon Gilmore is going to have a good season this season. He's he's probably going to have a better. I don't know if he was hurt. Uh, I think he had COVID, which a lot of people are also kind of sweeping under the rug that he had COVID and nobody wants to talk about it. But regardless, um, Stephon Gilmore, he's going to have a bounce back year. And everybody's going to be like, why Like, why isn't Bill Belichick going to re-sign him? And then you'll probably see Bill Belichick release him. Because they have this other guy. His name is J.C. Jackson. He was like second in the NFL with interceptions. They'll kind of evaluate him. And they may extend him over Stephon Gilmore. Because Stephon Gilmore, better than anyone else, is reading the tea leaves. Or reading the tea leaves. He knows that he's, that he's at that age without even looking him up. I think he's 30, right? Let me look up Stephon Gilmore. Fun. Ba, 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 ba. Gilmore. So many ways that you can spell Stephen or Stefan. Yeah, he's 30 years old. Right? Stephon Gilmore's 30 years old. He's reading the tea leaves. He's going to be 31 this year. Jesus Christ. And he probably wants a long-term deal with a lot of security. And Bill Belichick's like, I'm not going to do that. Because I know you're going to have one good year Potentially, I mean, not one year, good year, one great year where he's going to be like a top five corner next year, and then you're going to see that production fall off. And it's going to be like, wow, like we signed a player to a, a bajillion dollar contract, huge money contract. He's going to be awesome for whoever he goes to uh, in, in 2022. But the reality of the situation is, is that it's a mirage because he's at the end of his career and he's going to fall off. And I'm not going to do that. He can hold out. I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to extend him. And you have all these teams. I remember, like, there was this 
this uh, this Dallas Cowboy thing that they were talking about. Like, theoretically, if you could get Stephon Gilmore for a second-round draft pick, would you do it? I'm like, no, because you would have to extend him after this year to a big-money contract because, again, Stephon Gilmore will have a great season, but he will f- shortly fall off at the end of it. Just relaying the information that I know for a fact. Well, maybe not for a fact, but I, like, I've seen it happen way too much for the Patriots. He will have a great, like, there is no doubt about it. He will have a great season. You're not extending him because he he's going to have a bad season uh, next year. You're not going, the reason why the Patriots will not extend him is, is because he will have a great season this year and then he'll have decline in the next three to four years. Because he will then become a 35-year-old quarter, like at the end of this, uh, at the end of this contract, he will be 35 years old, a four-year deal. He's like, Bill Belichick's just like, I'm not going to do that. And I agree. People may not like that. People may not get it. But it is exactly what the Patriots have done for the last 20 plus years. Since Billy B took over in Boston. And it's what they should do for them, you know, for the foreseeable future. It would be different. I mean, it would be different if if he was four years younger. It's why they extended him. But this is very typical Bill Belichick. This is very typical New England Patriots. This is very, very typical, you know, like uh, Bill Walsh, where Bill Belichick got this philosophy from. You release a player two years, uh, a year or two before, you know, they decline instead of a year or two after. It's, It's economically not viable or not as viable. So that's kind of the stuff that's going on with Safan Gilmore. Now, I think a good question to ask, do I think he could be traded in the next couple of weeks to months? Um, yeah, I think so. To which team? I know that's like part of the fun. Which team could he potentially go to? I mean, theoretically speaking, Safan Gilmore could go to a bunch of different teams, right? Obviously, one of those being the Dallas Cowboys, another being, um, I was about to say the Tennessee Titans, but they got, they got, who did they get? They get, they got Caleb Farley. And I think they got another corner that they got. And obviously they gave up like a Dory Jackson and Malcolm Butler, but I forgot who did they get corner wise? Let me look at, oh yeah, they got Jack Rabbit. They got, uh, Janoris Jenkins who I'm like, oh, that's a good corner. Well, they got all of these corners, right? Tennessee did, like, Vikings, Cowboys, Raiders, potentially. A lot of teams could go out and get, theoretically, Stephon Gilmore. But they also will then need to re-sign him as well. Um, I talked about this philosophy a lot, right, when it comes to football, where if you're going to give up a bunch of assets, assets being first-round draft picks, players, things of that nature, if you're going to give all of that up to then get another player, Right? If you're going to give up first round draft picks, if you're going to give up, if you're going to give up, um, what is it? First round draft picks, players, things of that nature for another player, and that player then needs to be extended, then you have to both give up a bunch of assets and then extend them. It just, it's, it's bad business if you don't. However, like in my opinion, you're just giving up way too much to get way too little, in my opinion. 
Like it's it's just it's just way too much to get essentially one football player. Like you're gonna give a salary cap and picks, and I mean it's exactly what's going on with the Jamal Adams situation in uh, Seattle, where they're trying to work out a contract, and it's like holy crap, you're gonna have to extend him as well. You're gonna have to give up all of your money, or not all of your money, but all of your picks. You had to give up all of your picks, and then you're gonna have to give up all of your money as well. And you're just like, wow, like this kind of sucks. You know, for them, not for the Jets, because they get a bunch of first round draft picks as well. So when you're making the deal for Stephon Gilmore, you go you make that deal with the understanding and the knowledge of you're gonna have to extend them. And that's the reality of the situation. So it's like, do you honestly want to extend Stephon Gilmore for X amount of money? You know, to max him out? Is that what you want to do? Or do you want to, you know, be a little bit more conservative? Take your first or first round draft picks or whatever. Take your picks, take your money. Things of that nature. And spend it on players in free agency or picks as well. Players, you know, in the draft. I mean, it, it kind of depends on who you are. Because, like, maybe, for example, you're a team like Seattle. I'm ironically enough watching Seattle play up against the Packers right now. In the divisional round. Like two years ago in 2019. Do you, for example, say, you know what? We got Bobby. He's still viable as a football player. Russ is still cooking. Tyler Lockett. DK are here. We got Chris Carson. We just extended Chris Carson. Do you kind of like gamble a little bit like I did and lose some money to then be able to get Stephon Gilmore and give up a first round draft pick? Because Seattle can't draft worth a lick, which is pretty bad considering that like the draft is how you get all of your best talent for very, very cheap contracts. It's how you manage the caps. It's, it's super important and Seattle just does not care to be educated about the draft. Do you do that if you're Seattle in order to get, for example, Stephon Gilmore because your number one corner and Shaquem Griffin, Shaquille Griffin, I think that's what his name is, just left. And free agency. He went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Got extended there. Do you do that? Do you go out and do you get a, a Stephon Gilmore if you're Seattle? I think so. I think that's a huge possibility for Seattle. They should look to, towards it. They'll get a couple of years of Stephon Gilmore, but maybe that couple of years is good enough to, for example, uh, justify a long-term contract extension for four years. And maybe it's not a first-round draft pick. Maybe, for example, it's a second-rounder or a third-rounder. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe it's because. I mean, it, it's obviously because. Maybe it's because you're going to have to extend him. You maybe get a little bit of a deal. Hmm. Regardless of the situation, Stephon Gilmore is obviously one of the, like, I mean, he, he's the wild card, right? Because if he, because, I mean, the Patriots right now, I mean, I know we've talked about the Patriots for a pretty long time, but the Patriots right now, they're in this weird area where they're like a quarterback and a couple of offensive players away from essentially being back in the playoffs. Like, a, a lot of people don't want to admit that, but that's very much the truth, Right? 
like Mac Jones, I think will probably start midway through the season and then it'll take off. And then everybody's going to be like, wow, I can't believe Mac Jones is super awesome and super amazing and things of that nature. But I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Again, like he had like 70% completion percentage, I think over 4,000 yards, like a bajillion touchdowns, like 40 touchdowns to like four to two or three interceptions. Like he was absolutely on freaking fire. Nobody cares because he's unathletic. He's un- nobody can break down his tape or his, or his statistics and tell me like where his unathleticism will be a detriment to his actual football play. It kind of annoys me. But Stephon Gilmore, not, not Stephon. Regardless, the Patriots, they're a couple of like offensive players away. Not even offensive players away because they may also have them. They're just a lack of production away offensively from being a playoff team because their defense is fantastic. And then it's like you hear things about how Josh Uche attended the Von Miller pass rush, pass rushing summit. You also heard, for example, about how, um, hold on, my phone is ringing. Give me like two seconds. I was like, is that my phone? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. I just missed a call. My bad. But, you know, you hear about how like Josh Uche is attending the, uh, you know, the Von Miller pass rush summit. You hear like, how they, I mean, not here. We obviously saw how, how um how they got Matt Judon in the second, not in the second round, but in free agency. And Matt Judon to me was one of the best available defensive ends in the uh, in free agency. And I was like, that's that's fantastic. He's a fantastic football player. And you're like, wait a second, Patriots are about to make a huge comeback. They got all their pieces that they would want. They're going to get back all of their defensive players as well. They all, like a lot of, they have the most opt-outs, I think, in the league. And you're like, wait a second, like Patriots could kind of make a comeback here. Def- I mean, they're definitely going to make a comeback defensively. Offensively, they can run the football very well, which will obviously help out Mac Jones and or Cam Newton, whoever is starting. And then on top of that, they got Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, these big, uh, these big, uh, like, pass catchers, they're tight ends. Big tight ends, big pass catchers with the ability to, specifically with Jonu Smith, uh, to also be, you know, pretty decent blockers. Obviously not with Hunter Henry, he's more of a pass catching tight end, but there are certain things that they can do. Big pass catchers, uh, really, really interesting um, um, players that you can match up uh, really, really interesting, excuse me, matchups, excuse me, for certain defenses and things of that nature. You're just like, wait a second, like this is a really, really interesting, you know, football team that we got offensively, right? And obviously they got Mac Jones, of course. So now you're like, okay, maybe they can do something here with Mac Jones, with you know, their three running backs or four. I think I mean they got they gave up Rex Burkhead. They didn't extend him because essentially he's at the end of his career. Gave up Rex Burkett, Damian Harris, Sony Michelle. They didn't weigh his fifth-year option, but he's going to show out because this is his final year to essentially do something financially-wise. It's ironic because, like, literally his rookie season was his best season because he won the Super Bowl in his rookie season. But they also have uh, Damian Harris. I already said him. Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, James White. And I think they have another back as well. Oh, yeah, and they got uh, Ramondre Stevenson. So they got four backs. Have fun dealing with that. 
telling you, man, Patriots are on the freaking rise. On the rise. Not even close. Somebody tell Bill Belichick that he still doesn't have fast balls. He's got a lot of fast balls for you. No, Bill Belichick, New England Patriots, Stephon Gilmore, really, really interesting stuff. Oh, yeah, do I want to talk about how wrong I was about how I was, like, 1,000% sure they were going to get, um, <laughs> like, uh, uh, Julio Jones? I was like, they're going to get Julio, right? Because uh, I think I think Atlanta only had to give up, like, a like a second and, like, something else. I was like, that is not what you should – that is not – that is not okay. That is not okay for Julio Jones. Tennessee's like, we'll take that in a dab of ranch. Are you bleeping kidding me? Thank you so much for screwing the pooch royally with Julio Jones. That was just like crap. I was so wrong about that. I was so unbelievably wrong about how little they had to give up for Julio. And then I was so unbelievably wrong about how little the Patriots were willing to give up. Like, oh God, this is terrible for me. But no, I mean, it's awesome for, for example, it's awesome for, for example, the um, the Tennessee Titans, but the Patriots, they, I mean, they still don't have a number one wide receiver, you know, in my opinion. Um, maybe Nikhil Harry can do something year three, you know, in the league. The good thing about Nikhil Harry is that he is entering into, like, his fourth year next year, not this year, obviously. So if you wanted to weigh his fifth-year option, if you wanted to keep him there for an additional two years, if you wanted to, for example, like give him a little bit of a soft extension where you don't necessarily extend him, but you weigh his fifth-year option, which is what a lot of teams do, by the way. If you wanted to do that, you could. But it's like, do they? Do they? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the Patriots want to do that. But you could if you wanted to, and that's kind of the, the whole point. It's like you could extend them. But we'll see if they do. They probably won't. <laughs> I'm like, we'll see if they do, but they probably won't. But, I mean, yeah, the, the Patriots, kind of circling back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier with the Patriots and how they did not, ex and how they didn't get freaking uh, Julio, even though I, I felt like they, they felt like they needed him and they felt like they could have gotten him and things of that nature. Like, they didn't get Julio. And I was shocked as any. I don't know if you were shocked that the Patriots didn't get him. I thought the connections were there. I thought that Julio wanted to play for Bill Belichick. I mean, technically, the Patriot connections, the, the Alabama connections is still there because Vrabel is a, a, um, a descendant of... Bill Belichick, I think, I mean, he coached with, uh, what's his face? What's his face? Bill O'Brien in, for example, Tennessee. Oh, not not Tennessee, in Houston. Bill O'Brien, you know, Houston Texans uh, head coach formerly. Then he got the job in Tennessee. No idea how he got the job, to be honest with you. But he, it seems like he's doing a pretty good job. But got the job, Tennessee. He, he played for Bill Belichick as well. So there's connections there. But I guess he's. I guess he likes that team, and I mean it makes sense. They they were in the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago, you know. Like it makes sense. Like I'm not mad about it, but it's just like New England. Maybe you should have gotten him. I'm just saying, you know. I'm just saying. But 
Apparently, there was, like, no offers. I even said this. I was like, I don't believe that there are no offers for a first-round draft pick for Julio Jones. Like, if I was any NFL team, like, like, it, like people would have said, like, I would have gotten fleeced if, like, everybody else had offered, like, a second-round pick or whatever. But it's like, dude, like, it's Julio freaking Jones. And I get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not applying him because of his name recognition, because, like, he's Julio Jones, but because of how awesome he's been even throughout the last couple of seasons. Like, everybody wants to ha say that he's had a production fall off when it comes to his touchdowns. We went over it a couple of weeks ago. Like, literally, he's never had a double-digit touchdown season besides, like, one season. He usually hovers around, like, six touchdowns. And he was hurt, like, all season long. Like, I don't get what people... Like, people don't know his, his statistics, excuse me. It's so weird. I'm like, even if I was, for example, a team like Dallas, I was like... Let me consider it. Let me trade away Gallup. Maybe not, maybe not Dallas because it's like you would spend a crap ton of money when it comes to that player, but when it comes to wideout. But it, it, again, like I would, I would have thought about it if I was like 80 to 90% of the league. I'm like, do we have a second? Do we have a, a number two? Do we have a number one? If the answer is no and no, then make some freaking phone calls. And then on top of that, the majority of the teams in the league, your number one isn't as good as julio so it's like yeah um make julio your number one and swap your number no, number one to your number two and your number two is now your number four because unless he can play inside in in the slot obviously which a lot of people can but not everybody but in, unless he can play inside the slot then it's like a, like like I, like, like it, it, he's, he's he's your number four it's incredibly weird to me, at least, I'm like, you know, like, 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 let's let's get some of this stuff going. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's let's make sure that, you know, we, we we're getting the best players for you know our respective team. And Julio is one of the best players on our team, or not on our team, but in the league. And it was again very weird to me that it was only like it was only like one team. It was no team, excuse me, that offered a first. It's like what? Nobody offered a first? It's like, why not? I don't know. Regardless, Julio is now a Tennessee Titan. He is not a New England Patriot. I was shocked that the Patriots or no other team did not offer a first-round draft pick for one of the best wide receivers in the last 10 years. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Do I think the Patriots made a mistake when it came to not attacking Julio Jones and getting Julio Jones? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think he's going to be, I, I think, and I, and, I, and I get the philosophy, right? It's the Stephon Gilmore philosophy that we just talked about, right? Where, and I get it, where it's like he may, like he may have, he may have another year to two years under his belt as a, as a you know, as a top tier wide receiver. And I get that that's like, the, that, that's essentially what they're banking on. It's like, like, like I could be wrong about this. I could essentially have Julio Jones be a player that is injured, or not injured, but a player that 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 doesn't necessarily recover fully from his injuries and he his play regresses. That could also happen as well. I could be dramatically wrong about that, or I could be dramatically right about it and freaking he could have three, maybe four more years of top tier play, but. We'll see what happens. See what happens. But Julio is just, he's an interesting player. Patriots are an interesting team. A lot of opportunities to do some really, really interesting moves and things of that nature. 
<clears throat> as that football team, but you know, we'll kind of see what happens when it comes to the Patriots and some of their players that they're looking to move on and off of and also, you know, what they can and cannot do in free agency and some of the players that they're going to get back. I think the Patriots are going to be a playoff team. I, I don't get why people are saying that they aren't. I, I really don't. Like, I think, I think, I, I talked about it and I accurately predicted it last year. I said last year, the AFC North is going to have three teams come out in the playoffs. I said it was going to be Baltimore, the Ravens, I said the Ravens twice, uh, Baltimore, the Steelers, and the Browns. I thought all three of those teams were going to go to the playoffs. I said it early on. I said it as early as like August, July. I was like, there's going to, yeah, there's, there's going to be three teams that are coming out of the playoffs that are going that are going into the playoffs for the NFC North. It's going to be Baltimore. It's going to be Steelers. It's going to be the uh, the Browns. Like you doubt me, uh, you can doubt me, but don't doubt those football teams because those football teams will, will win a lot of football games. And boy, howdy, was I stupidly accurate. So now I think that three teams that are going to come out in the playoffs are going to be. I think it's going to be two teams for the AFC North and then three for the AFC West or AFC East, excuse me. It's going to be Patriots. It's going to be Bills. It's going to be Dolphins. I mean, the Bills are, are just freaking loaded. They've got a, 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 an awesome offense. they got to figure out their running game as well. But the Bills are just so, so freaking awesome with Josh Allen. They have Stephon uh, Diggs. Cole Beasley's coming back. I really, really like Cole. They got so many awesome football players offensively to help out their football team. I just I don't think it's close. I think they're gonna go to the playoffs this year. I think they're gonna win. Um, I, I think the Bills are are probably gonna be one of those AFC title contenders, AFC championship contenders again. I think the Dolphins, I mean, they won ten games last year. I think two is gonna be much better, especially with Jalen Waddle being there as well. And I think the the Patriots, we've talked about the Patriots for the last dog on thirty minutes. I like the Patriots. Some people may not like them. I love them. And yes, it's semi because I'm a fan, but it's also because I'm like, yeah, like, like they are stupidly good. I think the Patriots are coming back to the playoffs. Anyways, let me continue forward with this. By the way, kind of a short little deviation here. Super excited for Zelda Breath of uh, the Wild 2. Oh, my God. I saw the freaking trailer. I couldn't believe that. In Metroid as well. I sold my Switch for like $300, and this kind of makes me regret it. It was like at the beginning of the pandemic where like nobody had a Nintendo Switch. And so everybody was like reselling them. And I was like, I don't really play mine that much. Or not play mine, because I did play mine. But it wasn't like to the level of like... I mean, I could, I, I sold it and I made a hundred, I, I mean, I sold it for like retail price, bro. Retail freaking price. I got $300 for it. I, I literally sold it for the exact same amount. I mean, with taxes, it was a little bit more, but like before taxes, it was literally the exact same amount. Literally sold it for the exact same amount. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Like, I, I, uh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that in a dapper ranch. Are you kidding me? And it's like Breath of the Wild is coming out. But I also wanted one of those, like, miniature little Switches. And apparently an HD version of the Nintendo Switch is coming out as well. Yeah, like, 
the normal one is like 300 bucks. I never used the TV version of it. I never, I never used it. I was like, this is like one of the, like, it, like the switch is kind of weird because it's like either you played it exclusively only in like the docked version. So you played it on your TV or you played it handheld. It was never like an in-between. Apparently those are the statistics. I never played it in between. I, I I never used it as like a fucking tablet. Oop, sorry. Um, I only played it for like, I only played it as like the handheld because the tablet, the screen is way too small. And I hated the TV version. I hated the Joy-Con, but yeah, like the miniature Switch, the one that I'm probably going to get if I do get another Switch is like 300, not 300, $200. So it's like, it was it, like, it, it is the cost of like, a, um, a Nintendo 3DS or something like that at the time. Regardless, I saw Breath of the Wild. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. It's so freaking awesome. Video Game Donkey had a great little quote about it. He's like, bitch, it's Zelda. You know, like that's that's what they showed off. It's like, dude, it's Zelda. Like, come on. I'm so excited for that game. Oh, my God. But yes, Breath of the Wild Part 2 is coming out very, very soon. And maybe a year. Maybe it's going to be released like holiday 2022. I doubt it's going to be released like super early. But I mean, they've been working on that game. At that point, it would be like five years. Because I think Breath of the Wild came out, what, 2017? And then Breath of the Wild 2, like they teased it like two years ago. Something like that. Oh my god, and Link is like freaking falling from the sky oh my god i'm so excited for breath of the wild 2 he looks so cool oh my god I, I i cannot wait i cannot wait i hope they i hope they literally like i i hope there's some dungeons and stuff like that in it i don't know it doesn't look like there is it looks like it's a combination of the two i kind of hope that like there is like a like certain weapons don't break and that certain enemies are harder to fight you know and I hope that Link's combat is a little bit more different because Breath of the Wild was literally all about exploration and stuff like that. And it kind of seems like it will be like Breath of the Wild 2 will be about exploration and stuff like that. But I hope that like Breath of the Wild is like more about more about like 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 that, that it's just essentially the exact same thing except another game, in my opinion. But I mean, Breath of the Wild is like super fun. Let me take a swig of my water. This is like the first time I've drunk water in like an hour hold on mm. literally like talks for like literally an hour i'm like good god my throat is starting to get a little bit dry so anyways let's have a transition back to football here because <clears throat> of course you know Talking about football, talking about basketball, talking about kind of recapping what's been going on for the last couple of weeks. What's going on? What's go? Yeah, what's going on? Essentially, right? So, <clears throat> oh, so I got I got some clips for you today. I got some voiceovers. I got some news. Got some, you know, got some got some stuff we're gonna talk about. We're going to hit it for like another hour and then I'm going to peace out and then I'm going to come back tomorrow as well for some more football as well. So that should be kind of fun. Here's the thing, right? So um, 
during kind of like the break and stuff like that, right? I was looking at some things, and this actually happened before the uh, the break. I was kind of like, I was kind of looking at some stuff, and I was like, man, like that's kind of interesting. I kind of want to talk about that, right? And specifically, it was with Dan Campbell, right? So Dan Campbell. So, Dan Campbell, Detroit Lions head coach, walks into a press conference with a um, with a race car, a NASCAR with a with a race racer's helmet. I don't know what the top. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's called. Racer's helmet. Media blasts him. Media's been blasting him for months, and I was like, um, "All right, so." You know, like, what, like, what, what's the news? The news is Dan Campbell essentially acts like Dan Campbell. Like, I, like, I don't, like, I mean, literally introduces himself by talking about biting people's kneecaps, and um, uh, among other things, as the new Detroit Lions head coach. I, like, 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 what are we talking about? I was very confused. I was like. So he acts, so Dan Campbell, like headline, Dan Campbell acts, I mean, I said the exact same joke. I'm going to say it again. Dan Campbell acts like Dan Campbell. That's what people are freaking out about. Now, it gets to the point where um, a single entity, Joy Taylor, gets singled out by everybody, even though, I mean, let's be honest, everybody was talking negatively about Dan Campbell. I, I myself didn't understand why she specifically was getting so much hate from everybody uh, but she was getting a lot of hate from everybody to the point where she went on like the Detroit Lions newsletter. I don't know. First and foremost, right? I don't know why she's trying to like like act as if like like try try to explain herself. Like 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 she prefaced. I remember she had this interview and she's like, you know, I love Detroit. I love it. I have grandparents that live there. Family lives there and stuff like that. And I was just like, don't don't say that. Just say hey, fans. Like like she ends it off. She ends off uh, the uh, the interview. By like saying like I'll see you guys week seventeen, and it's just like, like just start off by saying that like saying yeah Detroit Lion fans you guys don't know what you're talking about you don't know your elbow from your bleep hole you know you guys haven't won anything in like thirty you guys haven't you guys have only won one playoff game in like thirty not thirty like fifty almost sixty years shut up I know what I'm talking about sit down shut your mouth smack yourself in the mouth you don't know anything. That should have been her response. At least that would have been my response if I got that much hate. I'm like, shut up. You don't know anything. I'll see you guys week 17. And then I'll freaking, like, clip all of your tweets. I'll read them week 17 when Detroit isn't in the playoffs and when they're, like, drafting top five in the league. And, he, and you guys are freaking salty because you guys suck again. Because you guys don't have a quarterback. You guys don't. I mean, you guys, like, I like Romeo uh, Acora. He had a really, really nice season last season. But I don't know about um, uh, uh, what's what's his name, uh, uh, Akuda, Jeff Akuda. Number one cornerback last year, third overall pick. Everybody's like he's gonna be Jalen Ramsey. He's gonna be Jalen Ramsey, and I mean he's not Jalen Ramsey. One one is a prize. One is a prize. Not Jalen Ramsey at all. Um, but Jeff Akuda, terrible season. Some people are gonna talk about well how he was hurt, stuff like that. I'm like, dude, watch him again. He, like, like he, like Jeff Okuda was was very, very bad last season, even for a rookie. So, everybody spazzed out on Joy Taylor. I'll play you the clip here that's actually embedded in this article. Every, <clears throat> excuse me. Everybody spazzed out on her. I'm gonna spaz out 
on everybody spassing out on Joy Taylor. Here's here's Joy Taylor talking shit about the uh, the Detroit Lions and things of that nature. I'm not somebody who takes myself particularly seriously, but there are just there's just things I don't I don't want to I don't want jokes. Would about. Belichick do that? Would Bill Walsh do that? Would Sean McVay? The first thing I thought was Brian Flores would literally never. You know who thinks that's funny? Dumb people. Here's what I think that's funny. Here's what I think that's funny. If Andy Reid does that, that's funny. Well, Andy yeah, Reid. Because he's a legend. Exactly. That's when I think that's funny. So that's the clip that essentially everybody is blowing up over. Every friggin' Detroit Lions fan is blowing up over to the point where I get a, um, this happened literally two weeks ago. Literally two weeks ago. June 4th of this month, of this year. And then she has like, let me find the Sports Illustrated article where she like literally is apologizing or not apologizing, but like talking about how much she like likes Jesus Christ. Oh my God. I just saw a picture of Joy Taylor and I was just like, oh my God. And like a bikini and I was like, oh God. Sorry, I got distracted for like two seconds. Sorry, um, but like she goes on, <clears throat> I can't even find it. I'm getting like Anatoly, I'm getting Anya Taylor Joy instead of Joy Taylor. Here we go. This is this happened here here it is. It's it's a it's a Q&A that she did with like SI, right? So she gets blasted and and we'll read that article here in a couple of minutes. But like she gets absolutely blasted, right? By everybody, you know, in Detroit. Everybody is like fuck Joy Taylor. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Blah 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 blah, right? So then I get this column, right? I get linked this column from the Pride of Detroit, which is, it's a play on words. Pride as in a lion's pride, as in like Detroit Lions, Pride of Detroit. It also is a double, it's essentially a double entendre. It, it, it's a clever website name. And they do cover, um, they do cover the Detroit Lions pretty well. I mean, it's a fan website, essentially, right? Pride of Detroit. Don't hate it like it but you know it is something to like it, it they're, they're incredibly vice towards detroit so headline of the article is an open letter from detroit lions fans to national sports media then under that is leave us alone okay okay i'm not gonna I'm not gonna leave you alone just because you tell me to. first paragraph in the article is I always approach my Detroit Lions coverage in a certain way that sort of hides the fact that I'm a Lions fan and I've loved this team for my entire life well um sorry you're not doing a good job of it because uh let's be honest this is a fan site most of you guys like the Detroit Lions most of you guys want to see this this paragraph I'm not reading it reading it anymore blah 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 blah, blah. he plays the uh the clip that we just listened to about Joy Taylor Continuing forward, let me say, let me just up front say that I have no ill will towards Joy Taylor. She has a job to do, and she does it very well more often than not. But stuff like this is nothing more than an insult to Detroit Lions fans. I mean, I, like, I, for, pause. Why do Detroit Lions fans, like, freaking, like, like identify so hard with Dan Campbell? Like, I, I mean, I get it. He, 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 he says all the right stuff. He reps Detroit. Dude, you haven't played a full, a, 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 a single snap yet. The preseason 
hasn't even, even occurred. You didn't know who this guy was five months ago. Why are you so, why are you identifying so hard with Dan Campbell? That's already your first mistake. You're identifying so hard with him that you've become Jade. You don't even know what his offensive or defensive philosophy is because he's never said it ever in, in any of his press conferences. I've watched like all of them. He's never said, these are the X's and O's. This is what we're going to be doing. This is why we're going to be doing it because we think that this works well with our team. He has never said that ever because everybody has been engulfed with the biting the kneecaps mentality. Of Dan Campbell. It's like, like everybody is, has been essentially seduced by the rah-rah and the, and the hype of Dan Campbell. And it's like, like dude, you guys are going to suck first year, bro. Like, let me pull up their schedule for, like, everybody that's insulted that Dan Campbell gets dunked on by Joy Taylor. Let me pull up your schedule, homeboy. Let me, let me, let me show you. Let me show you what, uh, what you guys are going to do this, this year. Let me show you. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Week one, you go up against the 49ers. That's a loss. Week two, Green Bay. That's a loss. Week three is the is the Ravens. Week four is Chicago. So potentially, you guys are going to go 0-4 within your first four weeks. And you want to talk about how you identify with this guy? And let me tell you something. Some of these losses aren't going to be pretty. It's going to be like watching freaking a colonoscopy right in front of your face all the time. And for four weeks straight, all right? It's not going to be pleasant. You play up against the AFC North, the hardest division in the AFC this year. You're going to be going up against Joey Football in, uh, in, in, in one of those weeks. You, you guys, you, like, I remember, like, it's, like people talking about it's going to be a revenge game for Detroit, uh, the Rams game. It's like, dude, you, you guys are going to get fucking shredded against the Rams. Put through a meat grinder. You know one of those paper shredders where it just eats up all the paper and these there's, a, there's just these little shrivels of paper that's left? That's going to be you guys. You guys are going to be put through a paper shredder, right? Little shrivels are, are, are going to be left. Not enough for the full season. Like, you guys freaking are going up against Rams, Eagles, Steelers, Browns, Bears, Vikings, Broncos. You guys are probably going to, yep, end the season with Green Bay in, in Detroit. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Cardinals, Broncos, Falcons, Seahawks. Dude, you guys are so screwed. And they want to pretend like they're not screwed. That's the ridiculous thing. I'm like, you guys are pretending like you're not about to absolutely get run through a treadmill going like 100 miles an hour and it's going to be one of those cartoon characters that's sprinting as fast as they can and they're going to be shot off of a treadmill at 100 miles an hour. It's not going to be fun for you. Why are you insulted because Dan Campbell is your head coach? You didn't know who this guy was. I didn't know who he was five months ago. When you hired him, why do you identify so much with this guy that says the right things or says the things that gets you juiced up, but the reality of the situation is, yeah, I haven't seen one snap. I know I'm repeating myself here, but Jesus H. Christ, I got to repeat myself for emphasis. Because apparently... They don't freaking get it, and I get it. They're comparing Dan Campbell to Matt Patricia, and Matt Patricia was a terrible head coach, and he was a terrible hire, and Bob Quinn as well, and Brad Holmes is a freaking draft genius. It looks like already he got Levi Onzoriki, he got Panay Sewell, he got Amon Ross St. Brown, he got all these good football players, he got Afatu Melifanu, he got a lot of good football players. But Jesus Christ, man, like, like let's, let's think about some of this stuff. Let's think 
Think about it. Continuing forward. He said that stuff like essentially Joy Taylor speaking the truth about Dan Campbell is an insult to Detroit Lions fans. The article continues to go on to say, why, why is it an insult? Because national sports media ignores the Detroit Lions' very existence 95% of the time. I, I kind of do and don't as well. I, I talk about Detroit to dunk on them, but I don't cover them like super seriously. Um, because if I did, it would be a travesty. It's like, oh my God, like are, are they a playoff team? No. That's essentially the Detroit Lions for the last 50 years. Are they a title contender? No. Essentially the, the exact same thing. They're, like the coverage of Detroit, is, the Detroit Lions is essentially they're not a playoff team uh, for the most part and they're not a title contender for the most part. Like that's essentially the last 50 years of coverage of Detroit. Continuing forward. When they do talk about the Lions, it's always some corny overplayed joke about the team's losing history. Boom! There's the corny overplayed joke! Or assumptions that the team will lose just because they're called the Detroit Lions. Boom! I'm two for two. Hello. Goodbye. But again, like, like, like there is, like, it, it wouldn't, it, like, here's the thing, right? It would be corny and overplayed and assumptuous if it wasn't truthful, right? The sad part about what I just said and how accurate the, the author of this article was with my uh, observations about the Detroit Lions is that literally everything that I said was true. They haven't been to the playoffs or to the Super Bowl ever. They've only won one playoff game in 50 years. They're always going to lose because they're, de they're the Detroit Lions and and unless something major happens. Like, dude, hello, it's happened multiple years in a row, five decades, almost six now, because it's very true. Like, until the joke, until y you guys stop being a joke, the joke kind of continues to go on and be and still, like, it has life and it has breath. The reason why nobody makes fun of, like, Kwame Brown and JaVel McGee is because they stop being jokes because JaVel McGee won and he's actually a pretty good center, like, a pretty good, like, backup player and stuff like that. And Kwame Brown is just like, bro, like, I'm not, like, I'm, I'm not pretending to be the best basketball player ever, and I nor have I ever said it. So it's like, <clears throat> so it's like the only way to stop being a joke is to freaking, like, stop being a joke. It's like, Detroit, you're still a joke. We're still going to make fun of you. Hello? Like, come on. Win football games. There's 17 now, so you get either more chances to win a football game or you get more chances to essentially lose. I Like, you decide. By the way that things are looking, it looks like you're going to suck. But hey, I mean, what do I know? It's not like you guys drafted seventh this year and got Panay Sewell this year and then Jeff Akuda last year. Who did they get? Oh, yeah, TJ Hawkinson in like the top 10 or something like that. Top 10, top 18, something like that. Let me just, let me just Google... Let me just see how big of a joke you guys have been, right? Let me let me just let me just go to your draft selection, right? Let me just check out draft. All right. Lions. Let me just check it out, right? <clears throat> Where is it? Let me look at let me look at how high you guys have drafted last Let's just go back five years. Seventh in the first round, third in the uh, third, first in the first round, first in 2021, not first, oh my God, seventh in 2021, third in 2020, eighth in 2019. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh my God. You guys drafted 20th overall in 2018. You guys must have had a good season that season. Congratulations. 
Uh, you got Frank Rag now with that play. Oh, my God. You guys actually drafted 21st overall as well. What's going on? Taylor Decker, tackle, 2016. It looks like you guys, I mean, my goodness. You, I mean, hell, in 2015, you guys drafted 28th overall. Wow. Excuse me. You guys are actually a lot better than I thought. I thought it was going to be like top 10 every single year. Kind of was for like three years, but then it's like other two years. It was like, it was like 20, 28th and like 21. Jesus Christ. Excuse me, Detroit. Point is, um, regardless, they still haven't sucked. Or not haven't sucked. They've still sucked, regardless of, of that. <clears throat> I was just trying to provide emphasis with, you know, showing their draft picks. Anyways, ba -ba 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 -ba, continuing forward. Again, after talking about the history of the team and how bad they've sucked for the last 50, almost 60 years. Continuing forward. Then there's the recent Dan Campbell hatred that literally has no basis and has been going on all season. Well, it 1,000% has basis. I cannot believe I have to explain this to Detroit Lions fans. Um, he, he hasn't done anything, dude. He has not done anything yet whatsoever. He hasn't won a football game. He hasn't trotted off on the football field. He hasn't put together a week one game plan. He hasn't properly evaluated his team in training camp yet like in preseason games as well like dude the reason why there is a lot of criticism towards Dan Campbell is that he's essentially saying a whole bunch of crap right and he is not acknowledging that this like th there's a reason why Bill Belichick does not do that like th there is a huge point to what Joy Taylor and Colin Coward were talking about, where they were they were talking about how like Joy not Joy uh, Bill Belichick doesn't do that. There's no head coach in the league that does that. No freaking head coach will get on stage with a helmet and freaking be like, yeah, we're gonna freaking we're gonna freaking destroy or we're gonna I'm gonna announce that I'm the Grand Marshal of the Grand Prix or whatever. I'm I'm not a race fan that much, but I, I like NASCAR. I like NASCAR, but I'm not a racing fan that much. But it's like there's a reason why people are criticizing him because he's like, dude, like, you guys haven't done anything yet. And you're talking like, like, there is so many teams in that division that are already using that as bulletin board material. Like, I, I can't wait for the quotes to come out where uh, people are like, uh, whoever play up against Detroit, they're going to be like, yeah, I guess they didn't bite off our kneecaps. Or I guess, uh, or, or we bit off their kneecaps or whatever, like. It, you're, you're opening up like, like whenever you talk in generalizations and say what you're going to do before the season has even begun publicly, you're usually going to get absolutely obliterated publicly because that's how this thing works. People get a say in what you get to do and what you get to not do. And right now, Detroit, sorry, uh, you haven't done anything yet. You're already putting yourself behind the eight ball. It's like, dude, like you guys get to go up against the Packers, regardless of whether or not they have Aaron Rodgers or not. Jordan Love is still going to be surrounded by an awesome football team, and you guys are going to freaking go up against freaking uh freaking freaking the Packers and the AFC North this year, and you get to go up against Chicago, and you also get to go up against the Vikings. All of those teams are like drastically better than your team, and every and, and this is what irks me so much about Detroit Lions, the the Detroit Lions. It's it's like. It's just a lack of awareness, you know? Like, I constantly hear the rhetoric of, well, what's his face? Jared Goff has played in a Super Bowl. So that automatically equates him to being a suitable starter for the franchise. And it's just like, 
what? It's like, did you watch him play at the Super Bowl? Did you watch him play in the in the freaking playoffs? They had Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson run Rackshaw against all the teams that they played against. He did nothing for like half a season. And then he's done nothing for like three years or two years since like the 2018 season. What? You want to put your hat on that? And you want to say he's a good quarterback because of half of a season? When the last two seasons, he has been absolutely mediocre? What? Really? Who cares that he played in a Super Bowl? Nick Foles played in a Super Bowl and won one. Blake Bortles played in an AFC Championship game. Both of those guys are like borderline out of the freaking league, bro. You want to talk to me about like championships and things of that nature? Like what? Like, I, like I, I, don't, I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, I, I I'm smart enough to get it, but I don't, I don't understand why people want to defend this guy when this guy hasn't done crap yet. I mean, I guess it's just for narrative building and things of that nature, but I mean, it's it's just, you're grasping at straws when you should be like analyzing this in a better way. I mean, not my way, because people are going to be like, well, 24, you're, like you want everybody to see things your way. It's like, well, I'm not right all the time, but it's like, can you at least admit that this guy isn't as good as you think he is? Or at the very least, he's not as good as he should be. Because that's essentially what's going on. But yes, like, the criticism of Dan Campbell is very valid and has a lot of basis. And then, let me, let me read you the sentence. Then there's, uh, th this is from the article again. Then there's the recent Dan Campbell hatred that literally has no basis and has been going on all offseason. We just covered it. Nobody can tell you why. Just told you why. The reason this is so annoying is because they, if they took the minimal amount of time, they'd see the Lions fans are quite happy at the moment. Well, here's the thing, buddy. I don't care. I don't care how happy the Lions fans are, right? Because I know in about six months, you guys are going to be like, like you guys are going to be miserable. And I am preparing you for the worst. That is my job. My job isn't to pat you on the back and say, Woo! Woo-hoo! Dan Campbell! My, 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 my job isn't to freaking patty cake, isn't to freaking pat you on the head and tell you that it's going to be okay. My job is to be realistic and to tell you what's going to happen as best to my ability as I humanly possibly can while making a ton of mistakes and getting a ton of things wrong while trying to be as informed and as educated as I possibly can, that is my job. My job isn't to take into account how happy it, it is going to make fans. That is pandering, and I don't pander to people. Certainly not fans of individual fan bases, unless it's BTS. I'll pander all the time to BTS fans. I don't want the army to come after me and freaking string, string me up a wall and make me, go, make me disappear, and nobody's ever going to come looking for me ever again. But, I mean... My job is not to pander to fans. I don't care that Lions fans are happy. You're going to be miserable literally in six months when you guys lose a bajillion games. I mean, literally, it may not even happen in six months. It may happen in, like, it's June, five months. Five months. Literally, like, week four, you're going to be like, wait a second. Um, Like, we haven't won a game yet. We're 0-4, and we still have to go up against, like, like um like like what was their schedule again? Let me pull up your your schedule. Let me see it again. Let me see the schedule again. 49ers, 
49ers, Green Bay, Ravens, Bears are all of your games in the first are, are your first four games. And you want to talk to me about why about your happiness, bro? You are about to be freaking stone cold miserable. You want to talk to me about happiness? It's like, hey, hey, like be realistic. The reality of the situation is you guys are freaking screwed if you don't figure this thing out. Like long-term wise. I'm not focusing about short-term happiness. I'm focusing on long-term. Don't care that your fans are happy. You're about to be miserable. Continuing forward, right? After he was talking about, can't, can't they see that fans are happy? They're happy right now. They're happy. We're happy. Continuing forward. There's a feeling in the air right now that the Lions are finally on the right path. Kind of. I like the GM. I don't necessarily like the head coach because I have no idea what he's doing. Um, I have no idea what he's doing. It's, it's, not like, I, it's not like he has no idea. It's not like I said. I, I, I have no idea what he's doing. I don't know if he has no idea what he's doing. There's a difference. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he knows what he's doing. We'll, we'll see. There's a feeling in the air right now that the Lions are finally on the right path. Okay. Everyone is having fun. Well, fun doesn't equate to wins. Winning is fun. I don't I don't see a lot of wins right now. Detroit Lions flat out love Dan Campbell and company. Why? Why do you love him? You don't have any, you don't know him. Like this is this is like this is like, you know, <clears throat> like dating a girl and after like one date you're like, "I love this girl." Oh my god, I love her. She's going to be the mother of my child. Or my children, and she's gonna be like, and I'm gonna introduce her to my parents, and you don't even know her. You 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 haven't even seen her past, like you haven't even like woken up to her. You don't even know what she looks like without makeup on. Like that's what the Detroit that's that's what this article reeks reeks of. Like a guy that doesn't know that his girl is gonna look completely different in the morning, and she's like, oh my gosh, it just looks so different. It's like this is what I look like without makeup on. You've never seen me without makeup on. Like this is what like like I feel like. Detroit is get, like this is this is like this is why everybody is freaking like clowning on Detroit. Like, like you don't even know what you're talking about. You're about to get out. You are you are about to be deceived right now. Not deceived. Not about to be deceived. You are being deceived. If you think that you freaking are going to like do anything this year, and that, and for some reason that you love them for what reason? Oh my God, this is the reason. Players are smiling in practice. Some are even saying. They finally feel free to be themselves on and off the field. What? Players are smiling. That's a reason why you love Dan Campbell. There's a lot of coaches that make their players smile, especially after they win football games. You know, like, I love how everybody's like, nobody has fun in New England. And it's like, you know, you know how, you know, when Tom Brady smiles the widest and the biggest, when he hoists up a Super Bowl trophy saying, let's go, let's go. We're bringing this sucker home. Sorry about that. That's when Tom Brady seems to have a lot of fun. When he brings home Super Bowl champions, uh, championships to formerly Boston, now to Tampa Bay. That's when the, that's when a lot of players for the Patriots seem to have fun. Nobody seems to have fun when they uh, when they go home a uh, a month or two early because they don't even qualify for the playoffs. Probably like Detroit will do. I will be ecstatic and surprised if Detroit actually makes it to the playoffs because I'm like, there's no way they should. But we'll see what happens. Continuing forward. 
Some are even saying that they finally, this is the players, players are smiling in practice. Some are even saying they finally feel free to be themselves. That's why nobody that actually cares about the team can understand videos like the one above. You feel bad for us? Why? Because Campbell is accept is eccentric well that's just what the doctor ordered for both the fans and the players here in detroit just ask them and he lists a bunch of tweets from other players and things of that nature and it's like 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 i don't care like i i said this like when dan campbell would come out with the biting kneecaps thing i was like i don't really care about this type of stuff but it's like dude like you're gonna lose a bunch of football games and teams are gonna put that shit on their wall they're gonna say like yeah, like, uh, this guy says he's going to bite our kneecaps off. You know, we're going to, like, I, I wish I could curse. I'm trying not to curse that much. But, you know, they're going to be like, oh, this guy wants to bite off our kneecaps. Let's freaking maul this guy. Let's maul the, the Lions. Like, the, the Lions, dude, like, like for a team that finished seventh in the draft, third last year, right, drafting third overall, a team that was really, really bad for the last 50 years, right, for a team that's, like, stupidly bad you're talking a lot of crap right now and that does not bode well for any team in the nfl especially the freaking green bay packers where the green bay packers are coming into I, no you're going you're going to lambo we too you're going to lambo you're going up against the 49ers 49ers healthy are, are are a very good team you're going to lambo week two and you're talking all this crap about how you guys are, are liking how, like how players are smiling and stuff like that. You guys are games. But the players are smiling, so hey, what do I know? They're 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 juiced up. They're ecstatic. They're happy. Continuing forward. The Lions and their fans just went through absolute hell with the previous coaching staff in front office. I I agree. I thought Matt Patricia was a joke of a head coach, especially after last season, after the 2019 season. I was like, fire him, fire. To, I, I even said it. I was like, to me, he's already fired any longer, and it's just like a delayed firing. It's like the owner was late to fire him. I thought Bob Quinn should have been fired years ago. I thought, I thought that Matt Patricia shouldn't have even been hired. I don't know how you can justify that hiring. Uh, whatsoever oh he was with the patriots it's like look at the history of all of the patriot coordinators and things of that nature i was super leery on brian flores i was like i don't know why you hide brian flores when you know that like all the assistant assistants and um, all the assistants they suck like when they go on to new places brian flores is like one of the only people that seem to actually be able to do good uh in a very very like competitive division now so shout out to him he won like 10 games with two attack of a low and ryan fitzpatrick and According to most people, both of them suck as quarterbacks. So, you know, it is what it is. Continuing forward, after talking about how they were put through hell with their previous coaching staff in front office, they've lost everything they love in the last five years. Calvin Johnson is gone. Matt Stafford is gone. Darius Slay is gone. The losing records piled up, and the team is a full-on rebuild, is in full-on rebuild mode. <clears throat> you honestly think we care about the new head coach wearing a helmet for 90 seconds? It's the, uh, it's the premise. It's the premise of him being goofy and wacky and things of that nature when he hasn't won anything in his entire NFL career. That's kind of the premise. It's talking about biting off kneecaps and things of that nature when he hasn't won a single football game in his entire NFL career as a head coach. Not as an interim head coach. I don't know what he was in Miami. Like, that's the, that's the whole premise. And you should because uh, – uh, he, he hasn't talked, again, about offensive and defensive schemes, but I'm not going to get into that. We've talked about it kind of ad nauseum. Uh, 
he's, he's asking rhetorical questions right now. You honestly think we care about the new head coach wearing a helmet for 90 seconds? You think anyone that loves this team believes that 90 seconds will be the reason uh, if if Dan Campbell doesn't get the job done? Again, it's the premise. You're insulting our intelligence. The vi- uh, uh, excuse me, you're you're insulting our intelligence again. It's the premise. It's the premise that he does all this weird and wacky stuff, and that we haven't seen him do anything of note of late. Uh, continuing forward, the video asked if Bill Belichick would do that. Joy Taylor said her first thought was that Brian Flores would never do that. Look, we don't give a damn about Belichick or Flores. Uh, the Lions had their, their version of those guys the last three years, and it blew up the entire organization. You've got former players on Twitter saying things like this. And then he mentions a whole bunch of things about players tweeting out some stuff. But again, it's like technically you didn't have your own version of Bill Belichick and Brian Flores because Matt Patricia didn't win anything. Sorry for the voice crack. He didn't win anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, I don't know why my voice is cracking so much. They didn't win anything in the last, like, three to four years. Like, you didn't have your own versions of those guys because your guys didn't win anything. You had uh, your version of Josh McDaniels and Bill O'Brien, guys that came here with a bunch of hype that essentially didn't amount to anything because they were uh, terrible. What a surprise. Continuing forward, there's a real issue with how that type of guy ran this team into the ground. Now the Lions have a head coach that has a sense of humor. So what? The players are reacting well to him and former players that he's coached said they run through a wall with him. Well, I mean, guess what? He wasn't a head coach back then. He was an assistant. It's completely different. We're not asking for much from the national sports media. We know you think we're a joke. Well, I mean, again, you are, and you have continued to be a joke. Uh, and it looks like, I mean, I remember people were talking about how, like, how, like, essentially this is so on brand for Detroit because they're essentially they're a joke and now their head coach is essentially a joke. And it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of makes sense. <clears throat> Anyways, we, we know you, we, we know you think we're a joke. We know you think you laugh at Lions fans all the times, uh, all the time. Excuse me. I'm still laughing. Take your thoughts elsewhere. We didn't ask for them and you clearly didn't care enough to find out how we actually feel. So just leave us alone. Again, I didn't take into account your feelings when I insulted you, and I don't think Joy Taylor did or should as well. I don't care about your feelings. I don't. I say things that are that make people pissed off. I say things that make people very happy. I, I don't care either way. It's all noise to me. And I don't think she did as well, and I don't really care that she did it as, as well. How would I take into account your feelings? I'm not here to placate to you and your feelings. I'm here to tell you the truth. <clears throat> Anyways, so let me plug in my computer first. Hold on. Are we back? Okay, cool. Like my microphone and stuff like that got unplugged. I know we've done like almost 40 minutes on Detroit. We're almost done. Joy Taylor, am I going to read any of this? I don't know. Essentially, she goes on SI and stuff like that. Sports Illustrated, she talks about the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah, she tweeted out that she said, see her week 17. Uh, Detroit Lions fans, see me week 17. See me week 17. Author of that article, see me week 17. See me when your team is 
once again out of the playoffs, a terrible football team, and is one of the worst football teams in the NFL, <clears throat> and is probably going to be drafting top 10. See me week 17. See me week 17. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. My voice is starting to absolutely get destroyed here. See me week 17. <clears throat> kind of what the uh what's what's the sitch been with Detroit um I was gonna take a couple minute long break but it's like we're almost done here I kind of want to get some of this other stuff out of the way so <clears throat> oh my god yeah I'm gonna actually have to take a break I'm gonna have to take a break I'll come back in a couple of minutes because this may take 30 to 40 minutes we're gonna talk about Justin Fields here for a little bit let me um pull up some music so that way so that way you know you can chill out and not listen to dead air space or whatever i'll be back in a couple of minutes i gotta pee we're gonna finish off the podcast talking about justin fields and the chicago bears and why justin fields should not start week one why his throwing motion is all over the place and um, why, like, why, why, like, essentially, like, why Detroit may be in a little bit more trouble than they think when it comes to Justin Fields' development. Ladies and gentlemen, 24th podcast coming up in a couple of minutes. The bitch official, yo. Get caught up in the missile, yo. Try to hit a missile, tripping, disappearing like a senior. Yo, the bitch pushing double low with the fire in front. Probably a canal and stuck. Y'all drive in front. I'm a deal with her. Find a deal with her. Fuck around still, huh? Then we all get late. Television, Versace heaven. When I'm a winner, the shit she kick. All the shit's legit. She get kicked from a player off the New York Knicks. Make a trip with dick, get lost. The shit is blood. She's stressing me to fuck like she was in the rush.
Yeah. This album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on when I was trying to make some money. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, 24's podcast. I hate to fade out Biggie Smalls as he was about to <clears throat> friggin' spit hot bars on juicy stars. But I gotta, I gotta hit this Jordan Love, or Jordan, not Jordan Love, Justin Fields thing. All right, so Justin Fields, quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I was about to say Chicago Cubs for some weird reason. Chicago Bears. Has under has gone under a litany of scrutiny. I was one of the main defenders. I thought that Dan Orlovsky saying that he's lazy and that he um that he doesn't that he doesn't work hard and things of that nature. I was just like, okay, that's that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, Dan. Do your do your homework. I called him out. I cursed at him. Said a whole bunch of stuff that I do not regret. By the way, I think I called him a bleeping moron, a idiot stupid lazy I, I i it's ironic it's like that that you know he calls justin fields lazy or that he quotes people that calls justin fields lazy but then he uh, but then he himself is lazy as well because he can't do any basic amounts of journalism and vetting his sources and he doesn't even talk to the head coach ryan day as well like it's hilarious it's hilarious that he doesn't talk to ryan day but um justin fields it's called lazy i was like that's stupid he's obviously not lazy and um, things of that nature. But I also had criticisms of Justin Fields as well. A lot of people were saying that the quarterback battle is between or was between Trevor Lawrence and and Justin Fields at one point in time. And I watched some Justin Fields and I was like, it is not. There's this guy out of Alabama who's better. I will fight to the death to say that Mac Jones is better than Justin Fields. But Mac Jones as well is um, <clears throat> Mac Jones. But I also found out about obviously um uh uh uh, zach wilson as well and that kind of changed my perspective as well but um here's the thing right justin fields has a fair amount of uh of, of things that are wrong with him mechanically um performance-wise, play-wise, that I myself don't necessarily like. I think he needs to work on a lot of different things. Don't worry, we'll break th- we'll break down those individual things as well. And um, I like a-, a lot of people are like, start him week one, week one starter, week one starter. Let me show you who he plays up against week one for everybody out there that's like, week one, week one, woo, week one, woo. Week one started, Justin Fields, week one. Want to know who he plays week one? It's the Rams. I think on Sunday night. He plays up against the Rams week one, Sunday night. Woo. Week. Against Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Week one starter. Yay. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, on the offensive side of the football for Rams. Oh, and you don't even get to play him at Soldier Field, by the way. Rams. In the Rams' house. Woo. Right? So, no, don't put him in and give him an opportunity to uh, to get sacked by Aaron Donald because I'm pretty sure your offensive line, the, uh, the Bears' offensive line, with getting Tevin Jenkins is still not up to par. 
and able to uh, to compete uh, viably against the uh, the Rams. Maybe starting week two against you know Joey football. Bengals at Bears, interesting football game. Maybe, or maybe just don't start him at all and sit him and let him work on his mechanics and let him work on becoming a professional and things of that nature and letting him get used to the offense and stuff like that and just, you know, develop as a football player because right now he's a little bit underdeveloped as a football player and he kind of needs to develop as a football player just a little bit. Just a little bit. Maybe. Maybe I'm crazy for letting a player develop. But no, I was reading this article a couple weeks ago. Let me just <clears throat> let me just check in. Let me make sure that I got everything I need to uh, to talk about this. Because I also let me do a two o'clock little checkup on on a uh, on the media. Let me just make sure I haven't missed anything today. I am, I'm watching a recording and I haven't been like looking at Twitter and stuff like that. So I'm kind of like zero dark 30 right now. What's going on? Bah, 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 bah. Just checking Twitter, Twitter, um, timelines here. Making sure I didn't miss anything. Nope, got that covered. I have a Dallas Cowboy article. I read mailbag. I read a lot of stuff. I read weirdly an incredible amount. You know what? Let me do this. Let me read mailbag questions for the DallasCowboys.com. I always read this. I'm interested in questions and answers. Um, though I don't really like talk about it that much, I'm I do listen. I, I listen, here's the thing, I do, like, it's weird how much, like, I listen comparatively to, like, talk, like, I, I do talk a lot, obviously, I mean, I've been talking for, like, two hours, dude, I listen to, like, an hour-long podcast uh, on Tuesday or Monday or something like that, and I wanted to die, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is, like, one of the worst things I've ever listened to in my entire life, I'm not gonna mention what podcast, but I was listening to it for, like, an hour, like, trying to figure some stuff out, making sure, like, I was correct on some things, and, I listened to it for like an hour and I was like, I never want to listen to this podcast ever again. And it was, I won't talk about the subject that it was talking about because then you'll be able to find it and know who I was talking about. And I don't really want you to know who I was talking about, but like I was listening to it and I was just like, wow, the subject matter is interesting. It's just the way that they're talking about it is so uninteresting and so boring that I was just like, I'm, I'm literally like squirming in my chair because I'm just like, God, get me out of here. Get me out, get me out, and I couldn't. It's like it was like like I was thinking about making a joke about how like um like it, it would it's literally like being chartered on a plane first class to Guantanamo Bay and being strapped up to one of those chairs and being forced to watch this podcast because they torture people in Guantanamo Bay and this would be another way that they would torture people. I'm like, all right. <clears throat> Anyways. Let me read some mailbag questions. And this is what I would do like every single day. Is this interesting? I kind of want to do something that's interesting and fun. But I don't know because I don't know these questions because I'm just like, I looked at, because I, I was just going to my, my, oh my God, I have so much stuff to talk about as well. 
have so much stuff to talk about as well. Talk about, talk about, I kind of group in Justin Fields and Jordan Love. I don't know how I'll do it, but bear with me. <clears throat> All right, let me hit the, this mailbag thing and then we'll, then we'll go back to Justin Fields. This is of the Dallas Cowboys, right? Uh, but, 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 but the first question is, why is no one talking about the $30 million that the Cowboys are showing over the projected cap for 2022, which players will be most at risk? That's interesting. Let me kind of look at it. I like overthecap.com. I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty good as a site. There's a bunch of different sites that you can use. I think spot track is like another site, but I, I like, I like some of the, the, the revamps that over the cap has done. They do have a shit ton of ads on there. I, I, I think I need an ad blocker. I'm not sure. Look at 2020. Are they over the cap? Yeah, they're like $24 million over the cap. What's the um, projected cap space? I don't know. Like the, the total cap liabilities is like 240, 240 million. But I don't know the actual cap space. That's the thing. Like, I don't know, like, what exactly. <clears throat> I don't know, like, the actual cap space and things of that nature. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know. But it's not like uh, we'll see what the uh, the answer is. But they are in the red. They are over twenty million dollars over the cap. Here we go. Personally, uh, this is David Hellman's response. Pretty good, pretty good journalist. Pretty good guy. Pretty informed about football. I like David Hellman a little bit, even though I've absolutely gone over the top, especially on David Hellman among other people, especially when they're talking about Dak. I remember like a couple of years ago, people were talking about like specifically on the break. The break is a Cowboys radio show that I used to listen to. Um, I don't listen to it anymore. I even love, it was like, I, I refuse to listen to it or, and I banned it from like my, my, uh, my site or not my site, but my podcast. And then I was like, that's kind of ridiculous because they actually have some like information that I could potentially use, especially during a global pandemic when nobody else had access to the players and the other tape and stuff like that. They were like the only players. And I was just like, all right, I got to kind of watch this. I got to watch some of their shows. But anyways, David Hellman. Personally, this is him. Personally, I've learned that way too way too much changes from year to year for me to stress too hard about next year. We're going to learn things about this roster that we don't know right now, and we're going to have different opinions in February than we do in June. The New Orleans Saints entered this season thirty million dollars over the cap, and sure enough, they managed to get under without blowing up their team. You're right that the Cowboys will probably have to get creative to make the cap work next season, but it's not something that's going to keep me awake right now. This is Rob Phillips, another really, really smart guy. There's no official projected cap level for 2020 at this point. So, like, that's kind of one of the reasons why I couldn't figure it out. Let me, like, just make sure that, like, I, yeah, I don't have the total cap space, right? Like the, the like the, <clears throat> the, excuse me, like, I don't know the, I don't know the cap space right now is what I'm trying to say. Very, very confused right now. 
Oh wait, what what is it? Here we go. I I mean, there's literally. I'm so stupid. There's literally this gigantic big red button that says cap space, and I like right in front of me, and I didn't press on it. So the base salary cap for this year is 182 million. 2022, it's 208. So they got to get so right now, um, it's 208. So they got to get below 208, which I think they can do. What is going on here? Okay. Back to the question. There is no official projected cap level for 2022 at this point. We do know the ceiling will be a little will be a little over 208 million. That was the ceiling that I just read. And anything close to that would be way up from this year's 182.5 million, which I think they even calculated. I like like I think he's he's going to say like they didn't calculate the 208 million over the cap did. They are over the cap. Regardless, how many times have we seen the Cowboys through restructures, cuts, etc., create as much room as they need to accomplish their goals in the offseason every single year? But but to, but but they also don't get players and they don't necessarily do anything in the free regardless. But to help with cap flexibility, it's important for young players to emerge as viable contributors on rookie contracts. It's a big draft class. They're counting on to do that. So here's one way that you just cut players like super easy. Where is he? Uh, you either reach first and foremost, Demarcus Lawrence doesn't have any guaranteed money, right? You can his his cap literally like twenty seven million. But he, you would, for some weird reason, have like 19 million in dead money. You would save like eight. I'm not sure. You would save like eight, so you'd be like 16 million dollars in cut space. In, in cuts, where is he? Like Ezekiel Elliott, you could do some stuff with. Uh, Jalen Smith is like a viable cut as well. Anthony Brown is like six million, depending on how that works with. Jordan Lewis. So you could literally cut like you, you should cut Jalen and, and Jalen probably. It depends on like how Jordan Lewis comes up and things of that nature and how Kelvin Joseph and other players come up. Kind of depends on what you're going to do. But like there are some pretty like legitimate cuts that Dallas could make. You could even cut Blake Jarwin depending on how he plays this year. There are legitimate cuts that you could potentially make next year as a football team. But it's again like what what uh, oh, oh my god like Terrell Basham is making three million dollars yikes but again there is like legitimate cuts that you can make to make sure that you're below the um, the salary cap but you know we'll see if they do that there's a question about the cap continuing forward with the second question they only have two questions uh, I know he is currently working with the linebackers but how do you think Keanu Neal will wind up starting but do you think Keanu Neal will wind up starting any games as safety this season? No. They already said that he's working with the linebackers. I don't even need to read the responses, but I will. That's an, David Hellman says, that's an interesting question. It seems obvious that Keanu Neal's preference is to play linebacker, and the coaching staff is on board. For the record, he looked really good during OTAs, but it's a long season, and the Cowboys are very thin at safety. I'm going to step out on a limb and say yes. For some reason, maybe injury, they're going to ask him to move back to his old spot for at least a week or two. Rob Phillips says, I don't know if he'll ever start at safety unless injuries force the issue, but could we see him move around and play some safety within games based on certain packages or situations? Yeah, I think so as well. Um, uh, that wouldn't so totally surprise me, continuing forward. Defensive coordinator Dan Quinn has revealed very little about what the scheme will actually look like. He said it was going to be like a 3-4, I think. But between Neal's versatility and Micah Parsons' position flex, seems like 
there can be ways for all the linebackers to get on the field a decent amount. Uh, it's it's tight. It's tight. It's tight. You know, there's certain things that like like Micah Parsons' position fe- flexibility. I think will hopefully be non-existent. I think he'll still be like a Mike or weak side linebacker and. If they are going to play a 3-4, then um, like Randy Gregory, a defensive end, would be their linebacker, their strong side linebacker. Micah Parsons would be like a middle linebacker, and then it would be like Keanu Neal. Or not Keanu Neal, it would be like uh, Demarcus Lawrence and like, who else would it be? Demarcus Lawrence would be like another linebacker, and then it would be like, who else? Like Jabril Cox or Keanu Neal would be like their weak side or Leighton or whatever. <clears throat> but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Anyways, transitioning back to Justin Fields, right, as a football player, right? So I was watching, not watching, but again, I was, um, I was, like, again, I, like, I read a lot of articles. I talk about a, a lot of the articles that I read. And this was, like, one of the weirder articles that I was reading. And I was just like, yeah, that's not going to work out pretty for Justin Fields if people are already talking about how he wants to play like Patrick Mahomes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's the article. The headline is, Kay Adams has suggestion for Bears quarterback Justin Fields. As a diehard Chicago Bears fan and someone who quite literally begged her team to draft a quarterback, George, uh, oh my God, good uh, Good morning football host Kay Adams was delighted that her team drafted Justin Fields, and now that she has the quarterback she wants, she has some suggestions for how he can thrive. I wonder what these suggestions will be. On a recent edition of, this is, when was this? May 31st, so this is a ways ago. On a recent edition of Good Morning Football, Adams advised that Fields model his game after Chiefs all-world quarterback Patrick Mahomes. She believes there are a lot of similarities between the two and that Bears head coach Matt Nagy, who helped develop Mahomes in Kansas City for like a year, by the way, for a year, can help him develop into a Mahomes-esque player. Interesting. Let's see what she has to say. If I'm, do I want to read this or do I want the horse's mouth? No. Do I want to get it from the horse's mouth? They didn't link the uh, the actual article. I apologize. Not the actual article, but the clip. Continuing forward. If I'm looking at Justin Fields in Chicago, he's got a big arm. He's super athletic. Is it crazy to have him try and model his game after Patrick Mahomes? Uh, Kay Adams said via 24-7 Sports. Let me just get this article. Can I see this? Does she say it? Because they're linking me an article. Was she talking at 24-7 Sports? Or was she talking on GMFB? She was talking on GMFB. Okay, they don't have it either. Okay, nobody has it. I hate it whenever people don't actually link the things that they're quoting in their articles that they're quoting. Like, it's just like, just link it. It's It, it literally takes like two seconds. I gotta go back to the spot. Continuing forward, you might think so. Uh, hold on, hold on. So she's talking about how is it crazy to have him model his game after Patrick Mahomes? Continuing forward, you might think so because they are different, but they have similar play styles. I'm interested to hear this. Uh, there are similarities between the two. It's more than that, really. 
Mahomes makes a lot of wild plays, but his ability to make quick decisions is why it works. He's so good on a consistent basis. I 1,000% agree with this analysis. He's so good on a consistent basis because he makes quick decisions. I think that's a great lesson for any quarterback to learn. Yeah, I mean, of course. Uh, I think Justin Fields can pick that up by watching Patrick Mahomes. Let's not forget Matt Nagy was an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Eh, was he? Or was it Eric Bieniemy? I forgot. Was an OC and quarterbacks coach in Kansas City. I don't think he gets enough credit for being there with Mahomes before he blew up and had his insane season as far as development. I don't think it gets mentioned enough. I mean, it gets mentioned a lot. It's why he's a. <laughs> it's why he's the Chicago Bears head coach. It's because he mentored and brought up and 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 uh, and refined Patrick Mahomes, allegedly speaking. Even though it looks like Mahomes is, I don't want to say better, because it's you know it's not like he had a fifty touchdown season with five thousand yards. But I mean, he's definitely more efficient, and he, I think he's a better football player now uh, than back then. But continuing forward. Um, bah, 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 bah. If there's any, if if there's anybody who can get the best out of Justin Fields' skill set, which play style wise is similar to Patrick Mahomes, I think it's Matt Nagy. Just about every head coach in the NFL would like to develop a player into that kind of player, into the kind of player Mahomes is, but that's much easier said than done. That's the finality of the article. Let me also, <clears throat> let me also pull up Stacy Dales. Because Stacey Dales wasn't necessarily talking about, not Mahomes, excuse me, but Justin Fields. She wasn't talking about like how he can develop into Mahomes, but she was talking about um, on the Lindsey Rhodes podcast or the the NFL Rhodes show. It would have been cool. It, like, wouldn't it have just been cool? It's Her last name is spelled H-R-H-O-D-E-S. It would have been better if she just called it the Rhodes show or the Road show. But, I mean, maybe the Rhodes show was already taken. I'm not sure. Not sure. We'll keep it pushing. Let me just make sure this won't blast. It will. And, in fact, Stacey Dales gives some pretty awesome, like, um, analysis on Justin Fields. Let's, let's listen in to Stacey Dales. I think Justin Fields is the biggest question of the entire division besides Aaron Rodgers. And I'll be just frankly anxious to see how he develops in the off season. I think we'll be able to see if he just like looks like he has it, you know, yeah. in the preseason. And if it's all too big for him or if mm -hmm. it's not. I have just listening to him. I feel like it's just going to happen. Yeah. This, this guy is impressive. Just his, his confidence, his moxie without being overly cocky. Um, I just, I like everything about it. Um, I think that I think that Bears fans are beyond excited. I think I think this is see we have to remember too with Matt Nagy that, that he, he inherited Mitch Trubisky. Great guy, love Mitch. But he never got to pick his quarterback. Right, so that's that's the quote. Everybody is stoked on Justin Fields. Let me piss on this bonfire just a little bit. Um, first and foremost, with the whole like Patrick Mahomes things thing is it like is it wild to say that yeah we want him to play like Patrick Mahomes there there's a lot listen I mean obviously there's a lot that goes into playing like Patrick Mahomes like I want to preface that by saying like yes there's there's a lot of things that go into playing like Patrick Mahomes right 
And it's not just that they scramble, that he scrambles and that he has a big arm. Because, I mean, for like, like first and foremost, right? Let's just get this out of the way. Justin Fields does not have Patrick Mahomes' arm at all, period, end of story. Like, let's just get that one just full, like out of the way. He does have a big arm, but there's a bunch of quarterbacks that have a big arm that don't play like Patrick Mahomes. Second of all, the different arm angles that Patrick Mahomes has. We've seen these weird, like, sidearm throws, these behind, not behind the back throws, but these uh, no-look passes, these weird angles that he takes. I don't know if Justin Fields can, can take those throws and make those throws. And furthermore, right, like, the, the decision-making, the quick decision-making that we're talking about, that, she, that Kay Adams was talking about with Patrick Mahomes, is definitely not a Matt Nagy thing. Like, it's it's a quick processing of information. It's not a Matt Nagy thing where, where Matt Nagy, like, puts that and engulfs that in his offense. It is a Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy type of thing that is implored within their offense uh, as well. Or exclusively. Maybe not exclusively, but um, exclusively when it comes to Chicago versus the Chiefs offense, right? Let's just, I mean, let's just get that out of the way and let's be honest about that. Do I believe that he can play, that his play style can be like Patrick Mahomes? I mean, like, I don't even think Mahomes' play style. I mean, like, Mahomes takes, like, so much from so many different, like, systems and organizations, which is, and offenses, which is why I, I say, like, I don't think, like, it's as simple as saying, like, this player with a big arm can play like Mahomes because he's he has a big arm and he's mobile. I think it's just, like, like, like it, no, like, do I think that he can play like Patrick Mahomes? Like, like to to what degree? I, I mean, any, like, like, there's a lot. Like, Aaron Rodgers technically plays a very similar play style to Patrick Mahomes, uh, but but like, do I believe that he can play? Like, yeah, yes. There's there's a lot of players that can play, but I I don't think he should. I think there's a lot more things that he should do. I think he has. I think he has a lot more mechanical issues that we need to talk about and things of that nature that I'm gonna play some clips for and things of that nature. It is not as simple as just snapping your fingers. And I mean, I know it's way easier said than done. And that's how the article actually closed. But I mean, it's just there's so much complexity to Justin Fields. Again, we'll get into it that I don't think that he can just like walk in week one, game one and play like Mahomes. Like, let's just be honest. And then on top of that, right. Um, he's, he's actually a pretty good deep ball thrower. And that's what the Chiefs also do a lot. They do attack downfield, whether it is by attacking you know, uh, using, you know, short yardage passing and setting up screen plays and stuff like that, or legitimately attacking downfield with Tyree Kill and Miko Harvin and Sammy Watkins and all these other wideouts. Like, they do attack downfield in different ways, and I don't necessarily know if the Chicago Bears offense is sophisticated enough to attack downfield the same way that the Chiefs attack downfield as well. But you ask me how he is not, how, like, it's easier said than done, how there's mechanical issues. We've talked about it, maybe not ad nauseum on the pod, on the podcast, but we have talked about it a lot when it comes to his inability to, maybe not his inability, but his, his play style specifically is that of like a college style player where it is read option based, where it is a whole lot of, hey, I'm, I'm big, I'm strong, I'm Justin Fields. I can get away with holding the football for a very, very long period of time, for longer than really he should, 
and I can freaking throw missiles and throw strikes because I have a freaking hand cannon of an arm. And I don't care what the defense is doing. I don't care how good the pass rush is. I don't care about all that stuff. I'm Justin Fields, and I can literally burst out of a tackle because I run a 4-4-40, right? And I talked about, like, I was like, hey, like, like, like he's he's got to he's got to essentially be able to to develop a style that can fit the NFL, and I don't think he has developed that style yet. Will he develop that style? Is a completely different, you know, conversation. I don't know if he will. I haven't seen it yet because I haven't seen him play in a single snap or a single game yet in the NFL. But do I believe that he can do it? We'll see. I don't think it's that big of a shift. It's just processing information, understanding what you can and cannot do. I don't think that is overly complicated or overly complex for him to do. I mean, there is certain things that he's going to have to learn to do and things of that nature. But, like, it's just understanding, like, you know, the rush is coming. It can't hold on to the football. You can't burst out of every single tackle that comes your way, you know. But, of course, there's there's things that he can learn how to develop and learn how to do better and like, I don't necessarily think it's as big of a deal as uh, some of the other things that we're going to be talking about. And I'll be bringing in my guy, Chris Sims, to help me out here when it comes to, <clears throat> when it comes to his, uh, when it comes to his ability to throw the football, maybe not his ability, but when it comes to his throwing mechanics. So again, throwing mechanics, not his throwing mechanics, but again, his decision-making isn't good, needs to get out of the college system. Maybe put him in a pro-style offense. Maybe that can help him out. Maybe, like Kay Adams was actually suggesting, quick decisions, things of that nature. But I, I, I despise the whole, like, putting him in a Patrick Mahomes conversation. Because when you put a player in, like, that position, when you talk about Mahomes, and you don't, like, preface it by, like, saying, like, like not even saying anything, but it's like when you just say, like, I think this player should play like Patrick Mahomes – you're just, like, it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of strain on the player. I don't like that at all. I, I think that should, like, I you have to be really, really careful with what you say and how you say it. However, let me pull it up. Let me put up some Justin Fields analysis by the great Chris Sims, right? I, I love Chris Sims. I disagree with him on some stuff. Disagree with him on some stuff, like, for example, that Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. I disagree completely with that. But um, I do like his analysis. I do trust a lot of his analysis. I don't trust everything. I even talked about it in the draft. I think wideout-wise, I was like, I think Devontae Smith is better. I thought linebacker-wise, I was like, Micah Parsons is not better than JOK in my opinion. But, you know, I get I get the talent. I get the talent. But, um... I like I I have some I have some issues with his analysis, maybe not his analysis, but with his conclusions. I'm like yeah, I don't think this player is better than this player. But I, I again we're 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 doing tit for tat here. I kind of want to focus on the meat and the potatoes, right? So here he is, right, on his own podcast, talking about you know Justin Fields's throwing mechanics a little bit, and we'll spend some time on it. I mean we're spending a lot of time on it anyways, but. We'll spend a little bit of time on this. Here, here he is on his podcast talking a little bit about Justin Fields. It, right? And I'm just going to tell you, this should be a slam dunk completion. We know that. It should be a slam dunk completion. 
Oops, let me rewind just a little bit. A little bit of context on what he is talking about. The content. Let me find the the time the timestamp. I wrote it down in my journal. I have it in my journal. Where is it? Oh, I was at four minutes. Oh no, 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 no. no. I was at two minutes. My bad. Here's a here's a throw. Right, throw is. A throw is essentially a slant. Not a slant. It's a it's a shallow crossing route. Right, it's five yards. He should be able to bang this. He should be able to hit this. Right. Let's listen in to what Chris Sims has to say. And there's a lot of these on film. And again, I'm rooting for Justin Fields here. But like here, if you're looking at this on YouTube, there's the the great receiver. I believe this is Olave. It is. It is Chris Olave. He's like going like this year. I thought that he was a first round draft pick easily. Next year, he's going to be like a top 15, top 10 player because there's no wide receivers next year that can even like scratch the surface of Chris Olave. Let's just be honest about that. So it, it is it is Chris Olave who's trying to get the ball to. Let's see what happens. At the kind of the top of the screen coming across the formation right here. All right. And there's Justin Fields. Perfect pocket. Right. And I'm just going to tell you, this should be a slam dunk completion. We know that it should be a slam dunk completion. It's a four yard throw and a shallow cross. I will also say, because we don't have video over these and video rights of these, you're just going to have to trust me that if it's an accurate completion, not just a completion, if it's an accurate completion where the guy doesn't have to slow down, he's going to score a touchdown. I mean, he's going to run right down the sideline and run for a touchdown. But let's go ahead with this, Pete, and let – so first there – and these aren't going to be – we got some better pictures coming forward here. But, hey, listen, you see there, there's – the arm is up already through the elbow, right? I don't necessarily even – I can tell the body positioning is not perfect there. But it's – he go back to the last picture if you can, Kristen or Pete, whoever is controlling it. But you could see even just from here, if you go this one now to picture two, it the, the, the upper body didn't really change. The arm just went up, right? Essentially what he's implying here when it comes to his upper body, essentially what he's implying here is when you th- like – throw a football right when you throw things you get your torso involved right so when you're like like if you're if you were a pitcher in baseball and stuff like that if you're if you're a quarterback in football if you're if you threw a ball as a kid you know it was like like maybe it was all arm maybe you weren't conscious of it maybe you know maybe you just threw it right but for a quarterback you see these quarterbacks have these rotations right and they'll have the ball come. They'll they'll stand. You know they'll stand. They're getting their stance. And when they they want to throw right, they will raise the football. Obviously, it's the wind up, uh, preparing for the throw. Right? They'll throw. They'll wind up essentially, and then they'll come down with their arm and they'll throw the football. Right? But the issue is a lot of like a lot of power. A lot of a lot of the ways. Excuse me. That they generate power and torque and things of that nature to help drive the football is by using. They're rotating their their body to rotate into the throw, and that rotation is what gives you a little bit more oomph, a little bit more torque, a little bit more mustard, as they would call it on the football. I mean, just in general, it just gives you natural arm strength. It's a natural throwing motion, right? And what Chris Sims is trying to imply here is essentially like, hey, like he's not rotating his upper body. And a lot of people are talking about the Alabama game is like he was hurt during this game, but also people want to tell me that this is his best game ever. And it's like, dude, like, it, like pick a side, right? We're analyzing, like I've seen exactly what th- he was doing in this game in multiple games against like MSU, against all these other teams, against Northwestern. Like everybody wants to talk about it. Like I've seen, I've seen exactly what he's talking about here. And what he's talking about 
is because he's not rotating into the throw, he's just raising his arm, is throwing it, and his body is essentially standing like stagnant. He isn't able to get any rotation or turn, or not turn, but he isn't able to get any like torque into the football and turn into the, the, the throw. Essentially, that's what he's trying to imply. It just, the arm went up. The shoulders never turned, nothing. Mm -hmm. So this is a little bit of we're going to get into here with the next few, you know, frames. So now let's go and, and finish the product here. And you see here, I mean, this was a ball the guy could barely get his hands on, and we're talking about a five-yard throw. It was too high. It was too high for Chris Olave, and he missed it. And again, it's like there's nobody around Chris Olave. Like everybody's, like everybody's covering their own man, like, it would have. I don't know if it would have gone for a touchdown, but it would have at least gone for like an additional 20, 30 yards, especially because Chris Olave is a friggin' burner of a quarterback, or not of a cornerback, quarterback, excuse me, of a wide receiver here. Let me go ahead and move a little bit on to the uh, the red zone, right? Let me also turn up my AC a little bit. It's like midday when I'm recording this, so. It's a little bit, it's a little bit, it's a little bit hot. A little bit, just a tad. Just a tad. Stretching it out. Oh my God. I'm going to stand up probably. No, I'm not going to stand up. I'm going to sit down. Mm. So. Anyways. This is. Chris Sims analyzing him in the red zone. And I talked about it a little bit on my podcast, referencing Chris Sims again. I'll talk about it a little bit more on my podcast as well. Again, referencing Chris Sims. And this is the clip that I wanted to show you. So Chris Sims is going to talk about how essentially Justin Fields, right? Is, get, is talking about how his arm, not his arm, his legs are getting away from him, right? So stand up. Or sit down. But, like, if you're standing up, right, and you walk, your legs will never, like, get so far apart from one another that you're, like, literally, like, standing almost, like, in a split, right? Maybe not walking is the best way. But, like, you know, if you're standing up, like, your legs, they may be close together. They may be far apart. But they're not, like, so far apart that you're almost sliding down into a split. That's what Justin Fields does in his throwing motion and these examples that we'll look at. Let's continue forward. ...to be in right here. I got no issues with this. That looks pretty good, actually, from where that picture is. Let me rewind a little bit, because he's talking about a very, very standard base, right? It's not the uh, the picture that I wanted. And we'll, and he's going to kind of go back into the, uh, the first throw that he was talking about, and then we'll kind of go back into this next throw that he's talking about here. Yes. So there's an example. Let's go to the next one, Pete or Kristen. Now, again, here's another one. Alabama national championship game gonna throw a little like double move corner route to the back pylon all right here's it not a bad position to be in right here I got no issues with this that looks pretty good actually from where that picture is his legs are underneath him his arm isn't raised in a weird angle his elbow isn't out the ball is tucked in nice 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 tight little stance that he's got going on right there uh, as he's looking towards the back pylon to throw uh, I don't know who that is. It may be Garrett Wilson or somebody else. Garrett Wilson, the ball. Let's continue forward. Two hands on the ball, decent base underneath them. But now let's go to the next picture. Now, mm. I don't love that. I don't love that. Now, I, I mean, again, 
Those That's, of you who can't see, he, he's he's ready to throw the ball, Chris, and his stride thank is you. very two, long. Two yards? I, I mean, yes, at least two yards. I would say two and change with the backside. What, what, what bothers me, I'm not a two-yard stride. Okay, I can deal with that. But there's the other parts that also add to the I don't like the two-yard stride. The back foot way outside the framework of the body. That's mm-hmm. what I mean when you hear me say, like, we've talked about pushing off the mound, Right. Quarterbacks don't get in that position right. where the, the, the hips and the body, why the foot is still in the ground, are noticeably in front of that back leg underneath them. And then, of course, what's the other thing that jumps out to you? The ball's What? The ball, the ball is like, they're going to talk about it. The ball is like all the way behind him, right? And some people, like, if you don't understand, like, like it, it's a weird base. If you don't understand, like, the significance of all this. It's a weird base. Weird bases leads to like weird throws and stuff like that. A lot of moving parts. The ball is like super far out from his body. And because the ball is super far out from his body, uh, like NFL pass rushers can easily take a swipe at that and create a fumble essentially. Right? Like again, talking about transitioning from college to the NFL, another clean pocket, by the way, like he has all day to make, uh, to make this throw continuing forward. Has, of course, has been swung up by his head. Of course, yeah. I mean his now. You see here, if you're watching again on YouTube, the it's independent contractor with the arm. The arm is way far from the body. Elbow relay like this. So I'm gonna stand up for a second, if you don't mind here, and I'll stay low. But I mean to be in this position. So quarterback like Brady or a or a Rogers, they're always gonna keep this underneath them, right? Here's my power. Boom. They're going to try and essentially keep the ball underneath them, and they're going to try and keep the arm connected to their body so that way when they turn into the throw, they can use the, you know, the like like their, uh, their torque, their rotation. to. I mean, we talked about it. To use their rotation, to use their body to help generate more power. It's how Brady has kind of lasted for 20 years. It's how Drew Brees kind of lasted for 20 years. Roethlisberger, Manning, like they all use their lower body to generate more power into their throw. It's what Dak Prescott does as well. It's what Patrick Mahomes does, mechanically speaking, as well. Right? Maybe a little step, and boom, it's up there. They don't get to this position right. to then throw the ball. Because at that point, your weight is way out way here. Way out. And the, the weight you want behind it to drive the ball is gone. It's gone. You got nothing. You and it. then you have to throw right. all arm. Right. And now he's got an arm that's floppy and has a lot of moving parts. So now his body is out of position. Mm-hmm. And now we're only relying on the arm to do it right and again that's why it's sometimes hit or miss with Justin Fields sometimes you can go whoa it's just one strike after another this is amazing but then you can get into little areas like this in this game and in some other games where let's go let's just finish this one out here where you know you could see again there was there was a place but it wasn't even close to complete not mm-hmm. even close right and those are the things we're talking about that we got to fix with Justin Fields it's gonna be a tough fix it is Pete, we got one more, right? So, again, I mean, like, do I have do I have one more? We can talk about the final one. Why not? Why not? Intro back to the show. Stuff like that. Maybe not intro back to the show. What does that mean? Yeah, we can, we can look at a couple more. We can look at them. Why not? Why not? Why not? Okay, I think this is – is this on the same drive? Yeah, so this is the th- so the first throw he had was on first and go. This next throw was on third and goal, 
right? Similar situation. The arm is like super far outside of his body. Like, like he'll describe it a little bit more, but arm is outside of his body. Leg is super, super outside of his body as well. Like when you will watch, like I can pull up some Dak. Dak is so mechanically sound. He's so, he's so awesome. Dak is such an awesome quarterback. But like, let me pull up, for example, some Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott's awesome. And Dak Prescott's my quarterback and why not? Why not? Why not? Please don't show the injury. I got an ad. <clears throat> All right. So, watching, watching some 2020 highlights, right? Dak Prescott, feet underneath his body. It's hard to tell because this is, you know, the TV network film and stuff like that. So, I can't see behind Dak or to the side or... At, at you know the uh, the uh, the all twenty two view, so I can't so there's bodies flying around him and stuff like that, but he's standing in the pocket, right? Rams game first, second and 10, 14, 58 in the second quarter, zero to seven is the score right now. Dak kind of can't see his feet, but keeps his base underneath him as he drops back. Ninety nine, aka um, Aaron Donald, aka freaking a UFO is screaming at Dak Prescott, running, destroys Connor Williams, and Zeke tries to pick up the pass protection. Dak sees it. He has to throw. And because, like, he has this very, very little small area, his throwing motion is kind of janked up a little bit, but it's good enough because he's so mechanically sound. And I didn't even pick this throw out. I was just like, oh, let's take a look at one of the first throws we see. His throwing motion is... Because it's not complicated, there's not a lot of moving parts to it. He's very technical. He's refined his mechanics. Even under pressure, where his running back has to pick up Aaron Donald, which is a big no-no, he can still develop and deliver a fantastic strike to who is that? It's like a 10-yard strike. It's a comeback. Gallup has to come back for it, and he does. It's a fantastic strike to Gallup. It's a great throw by Dak, considering, you know, he was about to get destroyed by Aaron Donald, and it's a great catch by Gallup. Like, by the way, Aaron Donald is like, he has struggles against the Cowboys with Dak Prescott, not because Zach Martin or Lael or anyone else does like a really awesome job against him, but literally because uh, Dak Prescott literally avoids like all of his rush. Like you, you will, if you watch like, I don't mean to make this into a Dak Prescott like love fest here, but it's like literally you watch like Aaron Donald versus the Cowboys like a bajillion times. You're like, wow, wow. Like he's not able to do anything against Dak. And now it's Cowboy. I mean, he's able to like bully Zach Martin, but he's not able to like shut down Dak, you know? So that's a little bit of tidbit information right there. Where is it? We'll go back. Here we go. So let's start off again. Again, the, the Justin Fields throwing motion, a bit unnatural. And, and the one thing that I see from his throwing motion, he slides his right foot, which is weird. Like, it it does look like he's kind of, like, pushing off the mound. Like, it, it does kind of look like that. He, like, slides his right foot when he throws. It's weird. Here we go. Another one. You know, again, a little bit of like we talked about with the last one. Again, the back leg, not totally underneath him. I don't love the position of the body, again, and the arm itself, way too far away from the body. 
and disconnected from the body, the upper body. I think that's the big thing. There's a disconnect. Yeah. You know, you again, if maybe if you guys can come back to me again, if it's if there's a Brady or a Rogers, they take the ball like this. It goes away like this. They don't do this. Essentially, it's like it's hard like every single quarterback's arm will like essentially slide down. But it will be, but it's not like so exaggerated emotion, uh, not emotion, but a motion. But it's not so exaggerated that the quarterback's arm is like out across, outside of his body and outside of his body's frame. Like usually they keep it like inside, you know, their shoulders. It, it, it may get a little bit outside, but not like super completely. And it'll come down. But like it's, but Justin Fields, his arm, his, his like arm and shoulder are all the way up. He like really winds up the throw in this kind of exaggerated motion, and then he comes all the way across the body. It's, it's very weird to watch. And then try to do this, and then try to make it go like that way. It's not segmented like that. And again, going back to that picture there. It's, it's also, by the way, to kind of like make a comparison in the NFL, like 24 does any quarterback in the NFL does it, it's Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, he, he does that. It led to, this is a... Hey, listen, the coverage is not bad, but again, for the 11th pick of the draft, it should yeah. be a slam down his numbers. Okay, he gets smashed at the one-yard line, maybe gets in the end zone, but what happens is not even a catchable ball and should have been intercepted, or that might have been intercepted. Was that the certain intercept that or did he dropped it? He dropped it, right? Yeah, so again, I hate to harp on it, because the guy can do some other things, running the ball and throwing some deep passes where you just go, you drool, and you go, that's amazing. Right. But there's just too much of that right now for me to bump him up too far because yeah. I just don't know yet. I think it's, it's, a, it's a real legitimate, a number of legitimate things to bring up. And I always like to, to compare something, whether it's good or bad, to what is good in the NFL. And pick out a quarterback in the top ten. Let's talk about the top couple of guys. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. Their release is different, but two things they have in common – no wasted motion in, if we can make a golf comparison, in the backswing. Exactly There's right. no wasted motion exactly like right. Justin Fields appears to have, exactly. number one. And they also don't have long strides. No. And it's all about balance and weight distribution. When you're talking about consistent accuracy where the windows aren't very big, if you have a lot of play up top to rein in, if you have a lot of play on the bottom with your legs, your balance is tough your weight distribution and power is really difficult too. So as I'm listening to you, I'm just trying to think of like, what are easy ways to think about why this matters? And it matters with balance when you have a lot of play up top and a lot of play on the bottom. Exactly. It's, it's hard to put it together. Pick out any quarterback in the top 10 you're thinking of and they don't have that combo. Doesn't mean he can't do it. Exactly. But when you compare to where he's trying to go, it's hard to think of somebody who has that combination of what he's doing with his arm motion right. and his lower body. No, it, it, you, I think you said it right. That's the right way to put it. It's got to get fixed. There's no doubt about it. And it's like, hey, the you put it right. The, the examples you used and everything like that, the moving parts, the balance, anything like, hey, listen, that go throwing of any object mm -hmm. or anything similar, like yeah. we always talk about, you got too many moving parts hitting a forehand in tennis and you're going crazy and all that, I'm, you're going to lose control of the ball. Right. Think about Phil Mickelson with, exactly. yesterday. Right. That swing that we've all looked at for 20 years is like so effortless. One of the reasons is there's no wasted motion. There's no wasted motion. None at all. Right. With his arms or his lower body. Technically perfect and then, of course, can stay within himself, but then at 50 years old can hit the longest drive 
mm -hmm. in the PGA Championship at 50 years old, at 366 yards, and it looked effortless, yeah. but it's because the technique was perfect. Yeah. And right? So <clears throat> I played that clip a little bit too long, but I felt like literally everything that they were talking about was super, super relevant to what I was talking about and what I'm trying to get across. It's the whole – and again, I've referenced Dak Prescott, Mahomes, Rodgers. They referenced them. Uh, Brady, Breeze, Roethlisberger, Manning, like all those players in their prime, you know, just fantastic, uh, fantastic mechanic mechanics, fantastic refinement. I mean, they're talking about golf. They're talking like, like it's, it's upper body rotation and there's, you know, movement specialists that can help out as well. Like it's why I'm like, I'm so skittish on Justin Fields right now. And then on top of that, the decision-making, I'm like, dude, you're going to be playing up against some of the best pass rushers in the league, just in your division alone. You've got some freaking problems. People were like, well, it was the Alabama game. He was hurt. He was hurt. And it's like, dude, it, like this is literally everything that he does in his, in his, like, in his, uh, in his games and stuff like that. Like, I, like I've, I've seen way too much of Justin Fields to know, like, uh, like it's something that he struggles with as a football player. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Let's continue forward, and this will be the final quote that we'll listen to today. Again, of just that arm away, and sometimes the bottom part of the ball is facing upwards. I, I Let me rewind that just a little bit. Here we go. At Ohio State, so you want him to clean it up from that aspect, to be able to throw into, in tight quarters with people around him. And the last thing I'll say, too, just as far as the negatives are concerned, listen, there's just too many, go on the Internet or whatever, there's too many pictures, and if you're watching here, again, of just that arm away, and sometimes the bottom part of the ball is facing upwards. I, I don't know anybody in the history of football who's been successful and the arm and the ball get like this in their backswing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where it's got to get cleaned you think up. It can, is it something that can get fixed? It's a really hard one. Yeah. And then you're going to have to have the right people there to help you with it. And that's, again, part of it, too. I don't know if Chicago has those people. That's why he's at 39. I just got to right. see a little. And listen, I'm just going to say it one more time. I hope the guy balls out and on me and shows everybody it's not personal i'm talking football and throwing and this is what i do sorry had to leave it at that and i hope so too you know he's got time justin fields has got time i don't think he's got the right people around him i don't like matt Nagy. i don't like the the i don't like ryan pace i i, I know they i know they just had a really really awesome draft i don't care i want them both out I want him gone. I want him to be punted out, out, out of the 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 uh, the freaking the freaking team. And I want like I want them to hire Eric Bieniemy or Lincoln Riley or somebody who can actually help him with his throwing mechanics. Because I think Justin Fields can be a really really awesome football player. I think so. I never said that I didn't think that he could. I just think like right now he is he. He's got a lot of work to do. And obviously that includes mechanics in his thought process and processing information. And it's so much work and it is way more than people are like, or, or were talking about like way too many people are like, like he's, he may be better than Trevor Lawrence. And I'm like, what? Like what? What? No, he's not. Absolutely not. But it's, it's, it's one of the, the weirdest things I've, I've, I've heard, 
and I kept on hearing it. I kept on hearing he may be better than Trevor Lawrence, and I'm just like, how? But, you know, he's still a good player. He's still he, – he just has so much freaking work to do. Oh, my God. He just has so much work. I don't worry that he won't be able to get the work done. It's just he has so much work to do. <clears throat> but we'll see. We'll see what happens with Justin Fields and the uh, the Chicago Bears. I don't know. Anyways, um, let me find... Let me find the clip that I wanted to play. Because after this clip, I am done with... Um, <clears throat> with with um with this podcast. So I was listening to uh Move the Six podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. And I was listening to it for like an hour. Not the hour, um but I was listening to it because it was it was Jordan Love. It was they were talking about Jordan Love. I cannot control the sound, so I'm going to have to fade it in and then fade it back out. I was listening to it and and they were talking about Jordan Love, for example. And like, what are they talking about with Jordan Love? They were talking about a whole bunch of different stuff. They were talking about the anatomy of his career. I couldn't really care less. But um, they were talking about Jordan Love. And um, they said something interesting, not necessarily about Jordan Love, but about scouting in general. I kind of want to play it if I can. I'm on Apple Podcasts right now, so it is a nightmare to um, – to use so uh here here's daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks talking about scouting and overcorrecting and things of that nature i'll bump it up don't worry i'll bump it up if it needs to be bumped up but don't worry don't worry i'll, I'll bump it really you overcorrect the following year some of jordan love's entry had to do with the over my bad I, like i don't i don't think i don't think i got it let me kind of try and find it again. Okay, cool. Here it is. Here it is. And, you know, DJ, sometimes that stuff filters in to our current report. If you miss on a guy the previous year, yeah. you overcorrect the following year. Some of Jordan Love's entry had to do with the overcorrection that scouts were doing after missing out on Patrick Mahomes. Well, I think you lead us perfectly into this next conversation. I so that's kind of the clip that I wanted to play, right? And I think what a lot of people are doing now is they're overcorrecting on Patrick Mahomes because now everybody's like, this guy's like Patrick Mahomes. This guy's like Patrick Mahomes. Jordan Love's like Patrick Mahomes. I went back and I saw Jordan Love, and I was like, I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes. I got, like, way too many people are just, like, blanketly comparing players to Patrick Mahomes. This, obviously, is a callback to what we were talking about earlier on where Kay Adams was talking about how she wants him to play like Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, easier said than done. But, you know, everybody either sees Patrick Mahomes or sees, like, a little bit of Patrick Mahomes in one or two – or in a player in, like, one or two plays, and they're just like, boom, he's like Patrick Mahomes because of this reason, and this is why you should draft him, Right. But but the reality of the situation is is that if everybody was like Pat Patrick Mahomes, then Patrick Mahomes wouldn't be very special, now wouldn't he? But I mean, you know, it's it's very it's very like tricky 
to look at certain things. You're not tricky, but it's very, very tricky to, to like, <clears throat> to like, you know, analyze certain players and things of that nature. And I get it. It's it's super hard. It's it's not easy. But at the same token, it's like, can we like not compare every single player to Patrick Mahomes all the time? Just saying. Anyways, I'm piecing out. My throat is destroyed. I got to drink some vitamin C. I got to eat something. I'm going to release this podcast very, very shortly. Almost three hours. Easy work. Easy work. Um, I have more. I mean, I, will, I, mean I, haven't even, I haven't even hit on a lot of the, like, what we hit on today was just the surface level stuff. We're going to freaking hit a lot of stuff in the next couple of days. No breaks, all gas, no breaks. And um, we're going to continue forward with the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on. Wait, wait. I had a song that, that I wanted to play at the beginning of the podcast. Now I'm going to play it at the end. Now I'm going to play it at the end. Let me get it. Gosh, dang it. Where is it? Awesome. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. A little bit of a callback to the beginning of the podcast. Every time you touch me, I just melt away. A little bit of a callback to the beginning of the podcast. Everybody ask me why I'm smiling from ear to ear. But I know. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. If you like this podcast, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocketcast, Radio Public, Pause and Music. I need to see In the Heights. I've been wanting to see that movie for the last couple of days. I wanted to see it in the in the, in the the airport. I completely forgot about it. I'm going to see it. I don't know. Maybe today. We'll see. Anyway, I bought it. I bought it. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk more football, a little bit more basketball. We'll talk about the results of tonight, Atlanta versus the 76ers. Hopefully they can shut them out. Hopefully they can destroy them. Hopefully they can take them out. Then you got also the Clippers versus the Utah Jazz. I want Skip Bayless to be extremely miserable, so I'm hoping that the Utah Jazz wins. Kawhi Leonard's out. Why can't they win a football game, a basketball game? I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm out. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24. I have been 24. This has been 24. Finally, you put my